by the Chicago Clubhouse and the 1252 Sports Chicago Network. What am I about? And how? And what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. We're going to be selective in free agency, and we're going to connect evaluation with valuation. We're going to have a, a relentless approach to fix our weakness. We're going to maintain great self and self-awareness of who we are. We're going to solve problems with open communication and candor. And we're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Uh, next, I would like to really uh, have a statement really to uh, the Chicago Bears players and fans. Okay, we will play at a high tempo, a high effort, attacking physical style, built upon speed, quickness, and explosive athletic ability. We will carry ourselves with an attitude of energy, passion, and intensity. We will play with maximum effort on every play. And my next piece of advice for the players, for sure, is get your track shoes on, because we're running. All right. There you have it, boys. There you got it. Our new head coach, our new GM have said their piece. And let the peace be with us, guys. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Bear Fans with a Brain. It's with me, as always, Warwick, JB. How are you guys doing today? How you doing? Doing good, man. JB, would you <laughs> smile? Just smile, man. It's not all that bad. It can't be. He has nothing to say, does he? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did my John thing like I always do. <laughs> so I have some things that are a little disheartening, but I'll wait. I'll wait. Patiently wait. Because you got all show to unload, guys. So you guys want to get to this or what? Let's go. I'm going to get to it. Okay, first and foremost, guys, we're going to start out just really kind of dissecting what we've seen so far um, from the hires, from what we saw in this press conference as well. So I want to dig a little bit deeper first and foremost in that press conference and really speak on some of these coaches that we've seen them hire. So let's take a look. David, off the score. So I know you've been a defensive coordinator, so saying an effort-based approach makes sense defensively because it's all about effort. Sure. But offensively, how does that apply? Because there's so much more that goes into it, the approach, balance, than just effort. Yeah, sure. You know, a lot of times when you talk about offense, you talk about plays. You know, you always hear that, you know, this play was wrong, that play was wrong. To me, it's about concepts. You know, so we're going to instill the, you know, install the concepts you know, in the spring, we got to do a great job of, of building a base of our foundation, okay, of what our concepts look like. Run concepts, pass concepts, play action concepts, screens, everything that goes along with running an offense. You know, I've been defending offenses for 30 years. Well, you know, it's going to be my input, okay, with uh, Luke and the rest of the offensive staff about what he, a dual education. Hey, what is the defensive guys looking at, okay, in terms of, yeah, this is hard on us. This is not hard on us. And I'm, I'm excited about having those conversations. But to go back to the original point that how do you measure that? How do you measure those, you know, foundational pieces? I'm going to get with the offensive staff and everybody to talk about, hey, what's the receiver look like blocking on the backside? What does a running back look like when he splits two? You know, how do you get hidden yards? Okay. How do you do that? Okay. And I'm excited about going from, you know, all the way through it and making sure that we're squared away, how we do measure that. 
and it takes time. I mean, it takes time. It takes a couple hours to grade the tape after the, after the game and looking at the details of that, of how we want to operate. And so what you'll see on tape and you'll see from the global view of it, you'll see, man, these guys play. They play fast. They play physical. They play Chicago tough. And that's what you'll end up seeing. And here's a look at some of the new guys we've got just this week, guys. We've got Andrew Janoko here. He's the new he, he's the new quarterbacks coach. He's with the Vikings since 2015. He's had all different kinds of jobs with them, as well as he worked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2012 to 2013 as their offensive quality control coach. We've also got our buddy Tyke Tolbert. He's the new wide receivers coach, and you can see the list here. He's worked with the Cardinals, the Bills, the Panthers, and the Broncos in these specific roles, along with our new defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, who was with Tampa Bay in uh, 01 as the assistant uh, defensive coach. And he was with the Colts since basically um, 02 to 11, had some roles there, went went over to the Vikings, went back over to the Lions, and then ended up back with the Colts. Whew, it's a lot to say. <laughs> so in saying that, guys, what do you think of these new hires that we've had these past few days? And do you think a guy like Andrew Janoko can help a Justin Fields maybe develop into something more? Like, he's made good progressions with uh, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings. So what do you guys think? Uh, I think I think the hires he made, uh, it's, just, it's just been normal hires. He reached a lot to, like, the guys that he worked with, with the Colts or in the past, which most uh, new head coaches are going to do. They're going to get people they're familiar with. They kind of know how they coach, know their style. Because the last thing you want to do is be a new coach, and now you you kind of training assistant coaches kind of to your style and what you expect and how you want them to coach and stuff. So he pretty much getting a lot of guys that have been on the same page and kind of say the same philosophies, and they probably say the same terms. So, <laughs> so <laughs> – <laughs> he's talking about the cowboy in the back. Uh, yeah, he just he just picked some people that he just picked some people that was that they could hit the ground running. So it's it's pretty normal to me. Like I don't really see nothing that jumped out of was a big like oh we got him type of yeah. hire. So what about you, JB? I'm sure you got a lot to say on this. <laughs> see, I, I'm always gonna be the the the, the barometer, right? Because. Never what did you say work a long time ago. We never gonna get too high, we're never gonna get too low. Right, we right. just stay even keel. Right. So I'm trying to take that philosophy, but the more and more, and I can't help myself that I dig deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm just not comfortable with this hire. I'm not. Um Alan Williams, defensive backs coach. I noticed, you know, they've done a lot of takeaways over the last few years. Um <laughs> I hate to bore you with the stats because I don't like analytics. I like stats. You do what you do. You prove it. I get it. But he was a deep coordinator for Leslie Frazier, the same Leslie Frazier that people said didn't deserve another job because of his record in Minnesota. And this guy kind of contributed that because they kind of stunk. You know, <laughs> and like his first year, he was 14th in, in total defense, 24th against the pass, 11th against the rush. His second year, final year, 32nd in total defense, 31st against the pass, 16th against the rush. That's not glaringly, you know, optimistic for me to be like, oh, this guy's going to come here. We're going to be a top five defense, you know, get a bunch of takeaways or whatever. When he had the D.C. coordinator job position, 
does that mean? And, and let's not act like he didn't have a squad. That's Jared Allen, Brian Robinson, Chad, Chad Greenway, Harrison, a young Harrison Smith, a young Antoine Winfield. That would they had some pieces. Yeah. You know, so let's not act like that he wasn't working with anything great. So right now, I think Eberflus just hired a guy that's just like him, that's just a name. And then when we get in a little deeper about Eberflus, I just pulled up the last three years. Their pass defense is horrible. Yeah, they got a couple of takeaways, 15, 15, 16 per year. Their total defense, a lot of that was predicated because they play the Texans and the Colts. Yeah. I mean, the Texans and the Jaguars that the last couple of years. What happened when they played Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson lit them up. Yeah. So let's not, you know, let's not look like this is just a great hire. His 10th ranked defense, hell, he gives up 70% pass completion two years, 65 the next. I mean, God, the one thing that glares out to me is last year they gave up 32 touchdowns as a unit. 32 touchdowns. The 10th ranked defense in total yards gave up 32 touchdowns last year. Jeez. 32. <laughs> passing touchdown. I didn't even give you the rushing. Passing touchdown. True, they got 19 interceptions, seven by the linebacking core, eight by the cornerback core, three from the safety, one DN. We love turnovers. We do. But in this bend-don't-break offense, I mean, defensive scheme, seems like they kind of broke a lot as far as the, the scoring department. Yeah. 32 touchdowns just passing? Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, when you pitch a shutout against the Jaguars, you you, you know, you put pitching up zeros, you're going you're gonna to shoot back up. Yeah. I'm not confident this guy – He's a rah-rah guy, I guess. He's a throwback gym teacher with the short gym shorts on. Let's come oh. on, win once again. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So they didn't say anything in the in the press conference. I know people that say, what do you want them to do? Tell them your whole scheme? No, but the same way that they wow the people that hired them, yeah. I want to be wild, too. I want to feel comfortable. Defensive coordinator, Rod Marinelli's still out there. Hell, I had to kick the tires on Vic Fangio, apologize, and said, man, here's an extra meal. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like, come on, what are we doing? A bunch of so now we're gonna have a no name offense, a no name. Luke Getzey, really, guys, really. Uh-oh. Yeah, we had <laughs> a lot of people in the uh, chat asking what our opinions were about. I'll wait till well. you segue to that because right now we're talking well, about Howard Williams and them tight. I mean, about the we can talk about all of them. Like, we don't necessarily just have to talk about the past few days. Like, we can look at Luke Getzey too. You know, a guy that came from uh, uh, Green Bay. Reports were out that Rodgers, that was one of the guys he didn't want to leave. That was one of the guys he was closer with. He worked with him a lot. So that could be the writing on the wall. Maybe that's a good thing. Or maybe is Luke Getze the product of Aaron Rodgers? That's, yeah. that's a good question. Okay. Right? Like, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I figured you were going to go that way. Aaron Rodgers, if I'm not mistaken, year 16, right? 16, 17 years, I believe that Aaron Rodgers has been in the league. If my uh, if my math serves, I don't even care. Screw him. <laughs> but, you know, but you might want you might want to hear this comparison because some people, excuse me, yeah. some people are saying Aaron Rodgers is giving him like the glaring green light of satisfaction or whatever. But maybe they're just friends and he's pubbing him up. I mean, he could be because you tell me the last Aggie few years Andy Reid did Aaron that, Rodgers, you know. Same thing. The last three years, did Aaron Rodgers really need this guy? Really? I don't think so. No. He's Aaron Rodgers. Now, when I brought that same thing, that same concept up, uh, comparison, Jim Caldwell with Peyton Manning, 
Hell, at least he, Jim Caldwell was with Peyton Manning for eight years. Yeah. Peyton was in his fifth year when, when Jim Caldwell came. That's development right there. Those eight years were pivotal. They went to two Super Bowls together. Yeah, yeah, but did, he didn't really need Jim Caldwell really to excel to yeah. that level because he was kind of on that level already he when was already he had a Tony Dungy. That level. Yeah. And that's well, Tony Dungy. You got to give credit to Tom Moore as well because Tom Moore was a hell of an offensive coordinator. But my point being is the same way that people say, "Well, did Peyton really benefit from having Caldwell?" Well, did Aaron Rodgers really benefit from having Luke Getzey? You can't that's, club up one guy and then discredit another when both of them the have superstars. Exactly. So that's, that's foolishness. But what I can say is this. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl ring because of Jim Caldwell. He does. He does. And there, um, um, uh, Ian Cunningham, too, was on the Ravens team. He's the new assistant GM as well. So, well, he went to Philly. And then he went to Philly, won another Super Bowl of Philly. So there's another guy that's really come from a pedigree and but do you ask yourself that question like is he a part of the pedigree or is he just a product of the system and that's the question you could ask that about anyone yeah, anyway. in this league guys really like, can, but when you know somebody like clearly has their hands on somebody yeah that's something you see the maturation you see the development the change that's a lot different than riding somebody's coattail i think i love byron leftwich at at uh marshall I loved him when he played for the Jaguars. He didn't play for the Steelers, but he was kind of tailing off. But am I giving Byron Leftwich all this credit for what he did the last two years with Tom Brady? Or am I going to give him credit because Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards, albeit 30 interceptions, he threw 33 touchdowns. I give him more credit for that than I would riding Tom Brady's coattails. So I'm not sold. Like, if you had given me an impactful name, that I know year after year just produces, that's different. Yeah. But these guys, I'm sorry, they they just do not move the needle for me. They don't. Yeah, and I understand that. And a name that one of our uh, viewers, our buddy Bullets here, said that he, w- he would have rather had a Pep Hamilton. I agree with you on that. That's a name that I really was looking forward to them maybe getting. But, but you've seen what Pep has done with I've Deshaun known Watson. what Pep has done, exactly. So, but from... <laughs> I'd rather have the known sometimes than the unknown, especially with a coaching staff where it's a lot of new guys, man. Yeah. New GM, new head coach. Like you, you want somebody who's familiar with these things too, you know. But absolutely, I really, I, I really want to look at you know, a- Andrew Janoco. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. You know, with the Minnesota Vikings, I think he helped Kirk Cousins really take that step. Do I think he can help a Justin Fields take that step? I do. What I'm hoping for is that I don't see the warts that I see with a Kirk Cousins like I do with, a, you, you know, or sorry, sorry. So I I don't want to see those warts with a Justin Fields like I do with a Kirk Cousins, right? So in saying that, I look at Justin, I look at Kirk Cousins. He's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger, and he's smarter. Two two totally different styles of quarterback. They, they are, well. yes. But so you know. the, the way that I look at this hire is a hire where Andrew can really take that next step in his career and maybe mold Justin into, and let's pray to God, MVP-type quarterback. And then, unfortunately, we, we know with this whole carousel, the second he makes him good, he's probably gone, right? 
but how much credence are we going to give put into him? We can go back to Janoko and say, look, he absolutely probably helped Kirk Cousins cut down on some of those red zone interceptions. Yeah. The whole thing about him not being able to win in prime time, whatever. But I remember the same Kirk Cousins. They guaranteed $84 million to who had a pretty, pretty stacked roster, including a Stephon Diggs and an Adam Thielen. So how much of court of his development is just Dalvin Cook got good. Yeah. You brought in Justin Jefferson, who's a star day one. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's other facets to happen in to, to kind of like give this guy credit. And I'm not saying he's probably not going to be a good guy because anybody that works with a quarterback, I feel you have to like that's like a 24 hour job. Like you got yeah. to be like shoulder to shoulder, almost hip to hip. But I just feel like I would rather have a little bit more seasoning when it comes to Justin Fields because he is so new. Yeah. Well, and, and, and see, like, the way that I look at this, and we had a really good comment here from uh, Alex Acevedo. He said, who was Sean McVay before he was the head coach of the Saints with, you know, Drew Brees? Like, you can really look around the league, but I feel like the guys – that really excel and that make it in the league are guys that pay more attention to every detail. And that's what it kind of seems like Eberflus does, at least from what we've seen so far, you know? So that's what, that's the glass half full side. I understand. I understand your hesitancy on it, JB, but it's, it's the little things like that make me really wonder and feel like, there could be some growth with the offense. The fact that he is really going to dissect through a defensive mind and throw it up on the board for a Justin Fields, like, hey, here's how they're going to look at you. Here's how they're going to attack you. Here's how you adjust to that and you go back at them. Well, like a Bill Belichick did for Tom Brady. It's the same kind of thing. You know what I mean? And another example, Sean McVay. With the Rams. Thank you, Alex Acevedo. That's another name. Like, we didn't know who he was before he was there. Like, yes, you knew what what system he was a part of, but you didn't really understand who he was as a football coach until you saw his intangibles on the field. You listen to the players. That's the one that I usually try to go to the most is listening to those players. That's and why I want to listen to the players, but, think, but again, like, when you look at certain trees – yeah. You knew what that tree was going to produce. I mean, as bad as Josh McDaniels had it in Denver, yeah. I mean, we knew what that tree was. And we yeah. knew that that guy was a, he's a he's one of those guys. He is. I think I think we we're not really going to see what these guys are going to be going to do until we start till they start practicing, until they get the the players in the in the building and start having meetings and we start we get into like training camp. It's just a process cuz you have a new coach. Yeah. We have New guys in new positions that's getting more power, like the defensive coordinator did before. But relatively, he he knew at it. You know, he'd been doing it for a while. But they give he like getting a chance. Everybody's getting a chance with a new regime, and so as a player, I would be excited because it's new blood in the building, and it's time you you getting rid of all your skeletons and all the you, everything with Nagy. You letting it go, and now you get a chance to show with a new coach. So. I'm more I'm more optimistic on just give it a chance and just see like what they're gonna do. Like what plan do they have? I think the like with Justin Fields, I think they're gonna both tackle him. I think the off the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator that they got from Green Bay, they both they both gonna work with Justin Fields. Like yeah. so it ain't gonna just be the quarterback's coach just no. coaching them. He basically gonna be telling probably coaching 
with some of the stuff that he know and getting a lot of stuff from the offensive coordinator that he want to work with him. So I just well, say that that's another question, Ward. What we don't know what offense they're bringing. Is he bringing Matt LaFleur's offense? Because yeah. Matt LaFleur's offense is one dominant running back and one Devontae Adams. Right. We've yeah. seen that. Yeah. We don't have why, that. Yeah. And that's why I say, like, at this point, it's so early. Like, the guy just got, you know, like, they're just getting hired. Like, it's so early to, like, already, like, find out what their negatives is. Like, yeah, they had negatives, but I'm like, I'm like, let's just, let's just wait and see what they Everyone run. Everyone has negatives. Right, like I like whoever you hire is gonna it's gonna be some positive negatives, but I'm like we you got a chance you got Nagy out the building. <laughs> yeah, it started like a new fresh start. Let's just wait and see. Yeah, I'm but like, he'll be back. Up. He'll be back because if he takes that Lions job, oh <laughs> lord, and they become good, oh. oh well, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, but that goes into some guys are better suited as right. offensive coordinators or a defensive coordinator than they are as being a head coach. You know, right, right. that's oh, something that you can say that about a lot of guys in the league and that maybe Matt Nagy does go somewhere and he becomes a good offensive coordinator. But if it's what I saw when I last saw him, when he was in Kansas city, I don't think that's going to be the answer. Just my opinion. <laughs> and, <you know> <laughs> I mean, and I'm fine with that. Cause like you said, he's gone. So we good. He gone. Yeah. But work. How did you feel? Because something I keep replaying it in my mind. I keep replaying it. I'm at work looking on YouTube during my lunch. Like, I'm still looking for those catch words. But then I go back to something you said about the players and the rooks and all that. He telling a veteran that make half the damn salary of the whole team, get your track shoes. Oh, that's. And he's going to be like, you better talk to dude. <laughs> I know that. I know. And you're right. But when you get a new coach in, it's, it starts over. <laughs> That's like one of the unwritten rules. Everyone knows when you get a new coach in, you used like when I play, they got extra practices and extra, <laughs> extra yeah. uh, mini camp days. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like you auditioning. Like I say, when you bring in a new coach, like it's new blood in the building. Cause it's a new guy. He don't know anybody. All he knows is what he probably saw on film when they, when they played or they scouted or watched film on you. He hasn't talked to you. He don't know your personality. He don't know your practice habits. You finna, you finna get to so whatever. But like, he's auditioning too now because right. if a veteran's like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it's more it's, it's more important for the rookie, like the young kids. throwing way too much at JB. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just strictly looking at like the veterans because one of the biggest things, and this always alludes to your point, AB. We don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to some of these high price veterans, but. No. To do what he's trying to do, we're going to need those same high-priced veterans. So he's got – either they got to buy in or, he, you know, there's got to be some type of give and take. He just yeah, can't come in talking about he going to track shoes and all that. It'd be yeah. like, hey, man, dude ain't going to last a year. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the business, JB. That's like working at any job and a new boss supervisor come in. <laughs> you got to follow whatever rules and however he say he wants you to work, you got to do it. So when a new coach come in – and really when he say track shoes – all that is, he he basically telling the players, we finna work and get better. Yeah, We're going to get better. I have a job. I want to keep this new job I have. To get better, you have to work. And to work, I mean, you got <laughs> you to have track shoes on. But doesn't doesn't every coach to a degree say that up front? Like, we're going to work harder than anybody else? No. Isn't that like the catchphrase? I mean, yes. And, teams? <laughs> yeah, they do. But, JB, like, how many of them have a loafing stat on their – freaking stat sheet that sit there and like 
it sounds like that's one of his biggest pet peeves. I actually heard him say that on a radio show that I listened to. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I think it was ESPN 1000. He said that that was one of his big pet peeves is that he doesn't like people that loaf. He wants 110% all the time, which is that's what we need. We need accountability. We need somebody who's going to make players accountable. We, we need somebody who, who's going to look at an Eddie Jackson and go, why are you loafing on these freaking plays you're supposed to be the guy in the backfield who is a leader of our secondary and you're out here just half-assing it not making tackles all the time and like I, and I totally what exactly agree. do you want him really yeah. to say other than that but, thank you alex that's what but, i was kind of getting at here that goes back to like we just said about having these first and these first year rookie coaches because now can we say that sean Desai really commanded the room can we say that Sean Desai held Eddie accountable, that he no, got on him? No, so how can we say that's my point? So we can say that that's what he said in the press conference and that's what he wanted. But as the season progressed, we saw that he didn't have as many bullets in the chamber as he thought he did. And another thing is the Eddie Jackson and all the coaches, they had a rapport already. Like <laughs> this dude is new. Like he don't, he don't have ties to nobody. That's what happened when you get a new staff and I already know when they say that. I've been on a couple of teams that had new coaches. When they say that, that means we we finna work. <laughs> get ready. Yeah. So if you don't want to work, then talk to your agent and get up out of here because you finna work. And that's how most coaches are, especially if you're a new coach. Yeah. You basically, he basically setting the precedent on how he finna run his team. And he and he already let you know that we finna work. Like, yeah, and, I, and like I said, I just I've, I've right. heard that oh, I've heard that so many times. We I mean, yeah, you work, gonna, work. You always gonna, gonna like work. I say, like I say, they they have a script, JB. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But, but see, that's <laughs> so, what I'm saying. Like the the cookie cutter stuff doesn't wow me. But you know what? You know what did wow me when somebody like a Mike Tomlin was like, "Hey, I don't care what dude want to be. He want to be a clown if he wants to, but he don't have to be here clowning." I like to hear stuff like that. Like like really dig in and let me know that you got some balls. And that you're gonna make this really, this really, really happen. Don't, <laughs> don't give me the, don't give me the, you know, the the, the, the cliff notes. And then uh, when we get to yeah. the meat and the chapters, and it's like this is. And here's here's another great example. I was fighting on Twitter about this very thing. Alex Acevedo, you're killing it already, man. About Matt Eberflus not having his jacket buttoned down completely. And the second I saw it, the first thing I said, I'm like, Have you heard of Bill Belichick? Do you remember Bill Belichick's first? First introduction. Hey, who talked about his button? I don't care about his Same button. thing. He looks like a homeless guy half the time when he's up there at the press conference. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is exactly what we're talking about. Wait, wait, wait. Who, who brought that up? Because I don't care about his button being jacked. No, I, it's just like all over Twitter. I oh, saw okay. a bunch of people all over Twitter saying this, and I'm just like, why exactly is this a bit like an issue no you're not going to win every press conference i'm not expecting you to win them i'm not i'm expecting you to have it on the field holding guys accountable making players accountable for what they do just like warwick said you know i love hearing him say that we're gonna work you better come ready to work or i don't want you on my team and that's what we've missed a long time man we have missed that for way too long on this coaching staff guys so we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're really going to make everybody mad with this next one. So here's a quick word from Nick and Ivy Brewery. <laughs> 
Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. And that was a quick word from our sponsor, Nick and Ivory Brewery out in Lockport. Guys, make sure you get there today. They got a great selection coming. It's cold out there. Go warm up with a nice cold beer from there. If you don't know their selection, go to nickandivorybrewery.com. You can find out more. So now, let's get to this next section, guys. So we had another little, uh, another little tidbit from this press conference that I wanted to get to, and it's about rebuilding or retooling. Hmm. Ryan, for you, the Bengals two years ago were the worst team in football. Now they're in the Super Bowl. Do you see this as a rebuilding situation or just a reloading situation? Do you think you can be competitive immediately? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely do I think we can be competitive. And the beautiful, beautiful thing about football is what we just saw with the Bengals. Um, everyone, once the Super Bowl is played, goes back to 0-0 zero and, zero and has the ability to you know, improve their roster, make changes. We all know it's fluid on a yearly basis. So we're going to attack it. And our goal is always going to be in contention and, and win games. <laughs> so, guys, we're going, to have, we're going to have the, the Nick and Ivy Bear fans with the brain poll question of the night. And the question is, as, as goes, <laughs> do you think the Bears should be focused on retooling or rebuilding? Hmm. You guys know how I'm going to go, so you guys can all right, go yeah. first. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Warwick? Yeah, he. I know. I know. Why, I know. I know why he was saying retooling, because that keeps fans engaged and buying tickets and season tickets, and buying merchandise and getting ready for next year. Because soon you say rebuild, everybody think losing. Like, okay, we finna tank. We finna be. We finna lose one or two years until we can get a couple good new players or big name players. So they always they want to say retooling. I say they probably need to rebuild because, like you said, get rid of a couple of contracts to kind of fill some space. But I'm, I'm kind of in the middle because I'm like, I, I want it to be a process. But I know I know, in this day and age, these coaches, it seems like coaches lucky to get one year before they get ran out for a new coach. Man, tell him. <laughs> so like, these processes, like if you like the Bears, like the Bears need like two, at least two years to kind of, get rid of some contracts, bring in some new blood, kind of get everything rolling, I feel like. So I'm like, I would say rebuild, but the Bears still can be competitive. Like he said, it's still, you still play football at the end of the day. You still line up and playing football. Yes, if you don't have the tools or the players, it's going to be unfair, but they still play. Just like he said, the Bengals, I mean – they say the Bengals got to the Super Bowl, but I'm like, there's a little more to that. Like, <laughs> let's there not, is. Like, I'm gonna get to that. Don't you worry. Just, the Bengals just turned around one year and said we want to do it this year. 
we not, let's not forget that they had Joe Burrow. Like it's that easy to just snap your fingers and you just get a team in two years, right? Right. We seen why they made it to the Super Bowl. Basically, the two guys that's carrying them to the Super Bowl. So that's why I say, yeah, he probably saying retooling because he's saying like do free agency, some draft picks. We could start. We add some more players and we can still be competitive. Because like I say, whenever you say rebuilding, that means we finna wipe it, the slate clean. We finna probably be the bottom until we build up again. So I'm kind of 50-50. Like, I, I know they can rebuild because if they add some people, but I'll say if they, the Bears really want to fix this team and really be competitive for years, like you always say, A.B., I agree with you on that, that you got to build it up step by step. Like, step by step through the draft, through free agency, players okay. on your team that's getting better, you, you reward those players, and players that's not getting it done, you let them go. Yep. Like a business. The players that showing you that they're getting better, you reward them and keep them. Not and for you, long. That's what the yeah, NFL is. It's not doing it, you get rid of them. But that takes that takes a year or two, or maybe three. Like, it just it takes time. And fans fans are impatient. Fans want to win now. So that's our the buddy, part that make it hard in the professional sports. Our buddy Jason here says <laughs> they should just be 0-17 next year. He just oh, thinks man. that, nope. Don't even win a game. Get the number one pick. Don't start that conversation. That's the big hot topic too in the NFL right now. Make, oh yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, Ooh, buddy. <laughs> JB, you got anything to say? Oh yeah, come on now. You already know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you got to say. For all my fans out there that are delusional, <laughs> delusional. I'm gonna get my Stephen A. Smith on right now. Oh, you? Me? You never I, go that I, route. I'm not. But he's I'm like the enemy to. of you, isn't he? I got to. I got to pull him right now because he's so <laughs> right when I say this. Burn it down to the studs, and I mean complete. Because now, if you've got all these new components with all these older guys setting the ways, trying to learn this new way, but they're still trying to what? Make it just for their next contract, or make it just so they can put a little bit more food on the table. Yeah, that's not conducive to what. Eberflus in his press conference is saying he wants it done. Hold on. So you know that I'm on your side on this, but it wouldn't be the show if I didn't give you a little red pill and ask you this. Mm-hmm. So you say that, yes, they're in a transition on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a Khalil Mack and a Robert Quinn, they both played in this kind of system before. So what's stopping them from excelling in this system and not – ripping it all down so for them it's not the excelling part i'm worried about it's what you always talk about we're in we don't have a lot of cap i'm gonna start being the the uh uh, rebuild guy if you guys don't stop talking about it (laughs) everyone's gonna look at me it's like oh yeah that guy just wants to tear the team apart but but, but, i mean it makes a lot of sense because like okay if you say you retool the defense right now yeah because you've got a mac in place you know you've got a jalen johnson in place you've got a quinn in place You've got a Kyrus Tonga play, you know, whoever else you want to put up that's actually been producing. But we're still rebuilding the offense. We really are. Yeah. We are, We have two, I'm sorry, we have two and a half solid positions on offense, in my opinion. We for sure know Mooney can play. We know Monty can play. And we hope and Justin can play. Everybody yes. else right now. We have two linemen, three linemen, I'm sorry, that are in free agency. We don't know who we're picking up. We don't have a lot of money to get a lot of high-dollar guys or, or guys that are going to make an impact to make us competitive and win right now. The draft, hell, we don't have a lot of draft capital to go ahead and say, well, I'm going to get uh, 
what's my man name? Everybody want? He's like DK, um, the receiver. He run better routes. He's like the same height, same build. I can't think of his name right now. He's a receiver. Um, did everybody the guy from the Raiders him? that 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 you always tell me about? No, no, no. This is a guy in the draft. Oh, uh, would, would that be David Bell? No, no. David Bell's from Purdue. I'm talking. This is a different guy. I can't think of his name right now. It'll come to me. That's but the guy anyway, that I keep hearing about. But anyway, what I'm saying is, with those five picks we have, we're not building through the draft to win anything this year. We're not. No. So of course we have to look at Either where do we get other money from? You got to get rid of something to get something. You get rid of a couple of these high price guys, like you always say, B, we can get some money back and we can get some draft capital. That's where that's how you re, rebuild right? Trey Burks. That's his Trey name. Burks, yeah. Trey Burks. And the other name that people were saying was maybe a um not Riley Ridley, a Calvin Ridley, but, yeah, you're but that's, have to a, trade. that's a that's a trade, yeah. That's yeah. a trade. But again, I don't see what people are so complaining uh, are so like misinformed about because you clearly don't have anything on offense from last year yeah. besides those two people that I named that you're like, man, we almost there. We don't. Defense, yes. Defense is the, one of the main reasons why we even had seven wins or whatever. Yeah, seven wins. Yeah. They're the main reason we had that. And we can't even say the defense played phenomenal. They played okay. But then yeah. again, when you're getting your head beat in, yeah, you're going to have less passing numbers because they're just running the ball to run off the clock. Like, people got to think besides what they think they know about football and actually look at the game. It's a big picture. So, I say I say burn it down to the studs, man, because we're going to do this right. <laughs> so, if you guys have been watching hey, going, show, eight, going eight nine next year does us no good. It just puts you in purgatory. It puts you in NFL hell. And this is what I get in fights with people all the time. Just the other night on the Chicago Clubhouse podcast, we got in a huge argument about this. Me, you, and Chris Edgerton. Our boy, he's on that side of the fence where he wants to, you know, he thinks that they might be able to just throw some pieces in there. You're not going to throw pieces in there when you've got like $44 million cap room and you've got holes all over this place. So everybody that holes wants- plus add this holes plus a whole new system on yeah. both sides of the ball. Yeah. And you can argue the fact that Mac and Quinn both have excelled in that four, three, I believe uh, Quinn's last year when he was with Dallas, he had the highest percentage of uh, um, hurries. Yeah. Uh, hurry rates in the entire league. Mac was a all, all NFL guy. Whenever he was with the Raiders, he was the only guy to have it for linebacker and end. So right. yes, like they can excel in that, but they're both over thirty. Do you want to? Do you want this new rebuilding offense to be ready in twenty twenty four and having a couple guys on your roster that's hamstringing your entire defense again? Everyone that wants to throw out the Bengals guys. <laughs> they didn't just do this in two years, okay? I, I it, it, it's all I see everywhere. Everyone's like, "Oh, well, if the Bengals could do it, we can do it." Okay, I'm gonna break this down. So, since 2018, the Bengals drafted 38 players. <laughs> since 2018, two of those years they had top five picks. So that's basically every round they had a top five pick. One year it was the first. Overall, another year, it was the fifth. They got Burrow. They got Jamar Chase, right? The Bears have had 26 
players drafted in that same time. So 12 less. And they had one year where they had a top eight draft class. So how do you explain to me in two years when there's another team that's literally had 12 more draft picks and hit on more draft picks that you can just wave a magic wand and just automatically just manifest a Super Bowl team? Explain that to me. Anyone. Can anyone explain that to me? And I'm, I'm going to add a little something else to your statement. Anybody. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but some of those veteran guys that are laid over in their fifth or sixth year, aren't those some of Marvin Lewis's guys? I would believe so. Absolutely. I, I know so. that Um, I even went back to 2017, and I think that's the year they got uh, John Ross. I don't – I. He's not with the team anymore. Well, Joe, Joe was in one of those drafts as well. Yeah, and pretty bad. that was even like a top seven, I think, uh, draft or something like that. So it's not just like these guys just manifested out of thin air and just in two years had, you know, just ripped it down. And then in two years, they built it up. They had pieces in place, but they were a losing team in these times too. They weren't sitting every year at, you know, eight and nine or eight and eight or seven and whatever, guys. You have got to tear this down and rebuild it. Like, do you want to have sustained success for a year or two years? Or do you want to look at longevity for maybe a seven, eight year run? So, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. The Bengals. Um, there's two, as I said, Chris Edgerton, there are two top five drafts in there. So there's really no debate with this for me. Okay. Like, it's time to rebuild. You've got to because by the time you get this offense rolling, you're still going to be looking for pieces to fill this defense, guys. Like, and, there's uh, and, just no way so, around it. You want so them coming up together at the same time, right? Correct. But some of the guys that's in there keep talking about Mac and Quinn stats. We're not questioning Mac and not. Quinn's stats. I'm what not. we're saying is the only people that other teams want would be Mac or Quinn. Yeah. That's and what we're you saying. can get draft capital now. You can build, and I say this all the time. I say it almost every week. You can build towards the 2023 draft. If you do it after June 1st, you can save some money. You can get back draft capital, and then 2023 rolls around. You've got the, you've got the cap number jumping up another 30 some million. It's going to be like 230 million dollars uh, uh, salary here, guys, plus the extra draft picks that you have. Like, what team wouldn't want to be in that scenario? Or would you rather have a couple guys that are 31 and 32 making way too much money, hamstringing your entire team? Yeah, they might have a, a year, maybe two solid good years. You've got to worry about injuries. That's every player. I get that. But, man, I would rather look at this as an opportunity instead of being hamstringed. Okay? Like, I want this really to be a team that instead of – absolutes i get options i mean anyone I'm, back, I'm, <laughs> back reading, I'm, I'm sitting back reading the comments and listening to y'all talk and i'm just like i'm trying to talk and keep up with these comments i'm gonna right. get i'm gonna have to get us a, a moderator look i'm glad you brought that up war because look i'm looking at t aaron like the bears blew four games last year so okay let's say they went two of the four and they make the wild card what are they winning you know what they're winning Nothing but a 20th, whatever the equivalent of the 20th, 23rd pick would be 
yeah. in the second round. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing. And yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, I used to always deal with this when you try to explain <laughs> stuff. Like I told you, it's two different <clears throat> when you try to explain football and how to, how it works, just how it operationally works, and but how fans want it to work and see it like on the field and play, it's different. I was like inside the building. They look at football different. They look at, like you said, they look at contracts, like your production, how much you costing us, how much you're going to cost us two years from now. If we can get rid of you now, we're going to do it now. They don't care about – and really, as you can see, what's going on in the NFL, a lot of teams don't care about winning. Like, we, the fans want to win every year and go to Super Bowl. Owners want to make money, and yeah. you make money by getting Joe, Bur Joe Burrows and – <laughs> you know, big time quarterbacks and getting Trevor Lawrence on your team. That's what bring in fans. So owners are looking at it like, yeah, I want to win because that helps us make money. But also when we draft high draft players and we new excitement every year, that also bring in fans. So they kind of doing both. Fans just want to win now. And I understand that. But I'm like, the business of football is different. Like it's just <laughs> it's just a different business. It's a business instead of how fans are loyal and like, hey, Quinn and this. Yeah. The Bears will get rid of Mac and Quinn if they can in a heartbeat. Like they don't have the game within the game. Absolutely. Yes. If they gotta take losing two years to build a team that they know they can win for 10 years, they're gonna do it. And if you're mad about it, they're gonna get you up out of here. Like that's just that's just see, how it works in the game. And see, it's just hard to explain that to, to a lot of fans. They everybody out there, please listen to Ward. He's been there. Right. He was and on I'm not, the and 13 I'm not, three Super Bowl touted team. He knows what I'm, he's talking about. And I'm not trying to say I know everything because obviously I don't. And I'm not in the building with the Bears and listen how they talk. But I, <laughs> but Sorry, I Paul want... and Malu, our buddy here, is already already firing him. Yeah. Sure, I, I agree. He played a game. I, I do know how it worked, though. I do know fans are impatient. Like people are impatient they when it are. comes to sports. They want to win now. They don't care. Yeah, but all right. War. So hold on, hold on. Time out for a second. So I will say this about Chicago fans. I will. I will say that if you sell them a solid plan and they know that you're going to rebuild and they know that you have a solid plan, yes, they're going to be upset. Oh, okay. But yeah. they're going to be okay with it because they know that it's a process to get to that point. Now, if you go to like Jacksonville, like when the Jaguars suck, nobody's going anyway, right? Like, that's the difference is that when, no, the when they're Bears good, nobody's bad. going. Jeez. Exactly. But <laughs> when the Bears are bad, the Bears, look at the headlines. All of us Bear fans, we look at what they're doing. We listen to these press conferences. We listen to these podcasts. We learn what the process is going to be. And then you can buy in a little bit better, can't you? Like, right. I wouldn't put Bears fans in that category of, oh, well, they're just going to be mad and they're not going to show up. I think Bear fans are going to show up either way. That's what half the fans are yelling about anyway is that, no, is that everyone shows up and that they don't really send messages until this this year. You didn't see, you know, half-empty stadiums all these years past, right? You did this year for that reason, and I think they're listening to that reason now and showing us that they're really taking a direction and hopefully the right direction, guys. See, that's what's really, really scary. The yeah. power that the fans absolutely do have. We saw that on the north side. Yeah. As soon as they stopped, when Ricketts noticed, hey, wait a minute. All these seats are empty. No sales, no concessions, no yeah. parking, no merchandising. Wait a minute. Not we got to fix this. Theo, come on, help us, man. 
Yeah. But we know that Chicago will, when it's time to stand up, we will stand up. Yes. We need to start doing it with the Bears. I think they already have this offseason, JB. And it's, it's, like, it's like very minuscule. It's I understand what point. you're saying. It's, it's, to me, it's not to the point. And I'm going to segue because this is very hilarious. So, speaking of listening to the fans, <laughs> the mayor, I call her Littlefoot. Oh, yeah. Mayor Littlefoot. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the fans about us leaving, going to Arlington. And she said, no, no, don't leave. I'll lower some of your taxes. I'll fix some broken or repair some seats and get you a brand new video board. What? Park District wow. don't, don't fix the seats anyway? No. That All they do is sit and collect a $6.6 million hey, check every building. year from the Bears. It's their building. It's their building. All they do is collect a check from them. The Bears pay for everything else, and the Bears pay a $6.6 million check to them every year for renting. Every year. Terrible. It's ridiculous. Terrible. She doesn't know what she's doing. We don't need to get down her road because we'll be here all night talking about <laughs> well, that. I just, I just thought that was interesting when we talk about people listening to the fans. So, yeah. yeah, but a lot of fans, I mean, you can look at the Arlington thing either way. And we're obviously going to get to that a lot more this offseason, guys. But, you know, I think it's time. Running in and out of Soldier Field is a nightmare. The building's not in great shape. The field is horrendous. Nobody wants to sit out there when it's the middle of January and they've won four games. Nobody does. Like, build an indoor stadium. Go make money. Be like every other team that's out there just having money coming in in droves. They're already, what, a top three or four um, earning in the league, and they make their 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 worth is like $4.4 billion or something like that. Like, it's ridiculous how much money they make. They're the third largest market in the U.S., guys. Like, of course they should do that. And like, they're still one of the work, if I'm not mistaken, they're the oldest singular-owned team. Them oh. and the Steelers. The, them, the Steelers, and the Giants, I think. Yeah. They're, the they're probably team. over over. I'm saying they're the oldest single, oh, yeah. like, singular-owned team. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have, like, an ownership group or nothing doesn't own them. Right. Our buddy John here just – just chimed in. He said it's four point seven billion. They're number three on that NFL list right now, and they're still making all these mistakes. They're still a mom and pop shop. Exactly. They're still not what they're supposed to be, guys. They still have the same issues. They still got this guy. I don't think there's anything magical about a so-called football czar. <laughs> Do I need to say more? If y'all want the if Bear fans want things to change or don't like stuff, change that number. Change that four point seven billion number. Make that number start going down. There you right. go. There you How go. do you do that whenever That's the only thing that works? Whenever they get this TV deal for what three hundred thirty million dollars, how do you do that, Warwick? The only way to do that is for everybody not to go to games, no. and you know that there's people lining up to go. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the <laughs> you ants fighting against a boot. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just—I've been—I've been saying that like the owners and they like make decisions on money wise, not players or fan wise. I'm sorry, but they see, I'm, but that's another reason why I told you guys last time. Yeah. I'm not see, confident in George picking polls. This I'm, is, I'm this just is the way looking that what I he's done now. in the past. Twenty three years he's been in this position and done, haven't gotten it right yet. Yeah, yeah, and that's no not on polls. I'm just saying. I don't trust your boss. <laughs> I don't trust your boss, man. I don't. Yeah, well, I don't either. 
No one does. Why why have we had reason to trust him so far, guys? I mean, honestly, like give me give me three good reasons why I should ever trust Georgie. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> the best I coach we've had in the last few decades, you fired at ten and six. He's not football guys. It's just it's just it's just family with money on the team. Like it's a difference. Like <laughs> They not football type people. They just have the money to own a football team, and it's passed down. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, but guys, remember any questions, anything you want, make sure to throw them in the comments for us. You can call in if you want. There's a number underneath. Call in. Know that there is an echo, and that whenever these two talk to you on that phone call, they can't hear, or you honestly can't hear them. So. Whatever you need to ask questions, just jump in, say what you got to say. Thank you and goodbye. Well, I'll be rosy cozy, except Chris Edgerton. You're not allowed to call. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to call, Chris. <laughs> but no, so we're going to move on a little bit. And I have just one more little thing that I got to ask you guys about yesterday. And we'll get right to it. This one's going to be a fun one. Dion Miller again from ABC7 here in Chicago. Matt, my question for you is, obviously you've gotten buy-in from defensive players. How do you get buy-in from an entire team and in knowing how to establish the right culture? Yeah, I, I just uh, show them the why. Show them the why. So all you do is you, you show them why it is. And how does what I'm asking and what we're going to ask as a staff and what we're going to ask as a franchise, the things we're going to hold um, accountable, accountable to, the standards, why? What does it equal? Winning. It equals winning. So the, the elite teams in the league do this, and this is why they win. You know, coupled with, obviously, the, the talent, you know, we start establishing those that ground level, you know, our floor for our house, you know, the cement that we got to pour, that's going to take time. And then we're going to start building our house. When you build a house, that's player acquisition, that's skill level, right? It starts to rise. But you cannot uh, win a championship right here without that, that foundational pieces there. Because what will happen is stuff will happen, and guess what? It's going to crack. It's going to fall down. So we got to make sure that we do a great job with the foundational pieces. But to answer your question, it's always about the why equals winning. <laughs> so my question. <laughs> so my question. Me, I'll be expected. Ah, no, it's not. So. My question to you guys is, <laughs> did Matt Eberflus do a better job of explaining the whys than Matt Nagy ever did? Hell no! <laughs> this dude literally went from the why being W-H-Y to the why being an algebraic form. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Like, dude is doing linear equations oh, on the press conference talking about the why equals. Uh, I know. I and we're excited about this guy, Warwick? Really? Uh, I understood what he was. I understood what he was trying to say, but I know what you're saying. Like, I, <laughs> hey, look, it's hard. It's hard trying to impress all the fans. So <laughs> it is. It's a hard. It's a hard. I actually, my naive self was impressed with Nagy when he spoke. I was like, "Oh man, we about to throw for like 50 touchdowns." Let's get it. And then you remembered our quarterback was Mitch Trubisky. And then I was like, "Oh, it's tricky, Mitch." <sighs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I, understood what he was trying, I understood what he was trying to say, but oh, I mean, so you're not I going feel, to impress everybody. I'm sorry. No, no. And <laughs> this was more just for a, a fun question, <laughs> but I did kind of like think about it a little bit, especially when I heard it live. I was I was like sitting there like, 
first of all, they have to have the worst PR guy in the damn league. <laughs> Period. End of story. Over and over. Just these bomb press conferences with this shit. I don't know how they get away with it over and over again. But how does that person still have a job? No, no lie. <laughs> but the thing that that really got me about it is that I feel like he's more detailed than Nagy ever would have been. I feel like he's really, you know, wanting to hold people accountable, explaining, having the ability to uh, promote a culture and stand behind it, you know, um, really, really looking at it, like really trying to diagnose it. I don't want to get crazy diagnosing this, obviously, but I just feel like he he has a better shot, really, from day one to explain to people what those whys are and why they're happening that way. So as much as I want to laugh at it, I have to say that I think he's got a better shot of it, especially obviously on the um, the entire defense is obviously going to get behind him. Having Justin Fields buy into this is is really what matters most on the offensive side of the ball, because that's going to be where this big challenge is. Right, guys? Yeah, yeah I, say, I say yes. Yes, you do want Justin to buy in. But at the same time, yeah. just, he just is going into his second year like <laughs> He don't have that much wiggle wiggle room. Now, like I had said before, he is the like the most important guy in the building that you want to make sure he developed. But at the same time, he on the same he just like any other player. Like you got to buy into what we say. Like whatever we say or coach you to do, you are gonna do it. You ain't gonna go against it. So yeah, I'm more of a wait and see. I, I just have to wait and see. Like what what plans? How they run it? Like offense and what type of defense? And I just can't jump on the guy yet. Just yet. No, no, and. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be, I mean, like, I'm not going to say he's automatically going to uh, succeed, but what I will say is that I think it's going to be easier for him to get these guys to buy in, especially after what they just went through with Matt Nagy. After that complete dysfunction, having a locker room that's, like, really built together and, you know, have a, a, a different kind of cohesion than they've had in the past. Like, JB, we – we had a really good conversation on uh, the other night when I just drew a blank. Who? Well, I, Ivan? No, Ivan? no, no. On uh, CCP the other night. Ahmad Merritt. Ahmad Merritt. Thank you. I don't know why uh, I forgot his name. So Ahmad, Ahmad actually said something that really surprised me. So yeah, you know Ahmad. You put, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we so, called him Avant. <laughs> he's hilarious, man. He, he do he, look like Avant, don't he? So he's a That was his nickname, Avant. <laughs> He's hilarious, though. But he brought up something that, like, really made me sit back and and think because he came from the uh, Dick Duran era, and his last year was when they changed over to the Lovey Smith era. Mm -hmm. And what he said was that that first year was ugly. He said that the locker room was an ugly place. He said that there were players kind of, you know, at each other's throat, all this. He said that he didn't like the locker room atmosphere, and that got me thinking because all I've ever heard from Lovey Smith guys is, is how he created the locker room, how he created these things. I'm not saying that, like, Ahmad was a problem or anything like that. He was just viewing it as that, as a an ugly transition, but it needed to happen. Right. It's something that had to happen. Sometimes something ugly has to happen right before something good can happen. The night is darkest right before the dawn. Yeah. 
Batman. The rock, the locker room is going to be pretty damn dark for about twelve years. Be, the locker room is going to be ugly this year too. It's going to be ugly because, like, like I say, you got a new boss. You got a new, you got a new boss, a new warden, a new warden yeah. in the building, and he going to have his the way he want it done. Yeah. Whenever you hear a new coach come in and say, "Get your track shoes ready." That means you finna work. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, that. every mini camp, every OTA, every training camp is gonna be you're gonna be working. And then what make the locker room ugly when you transition is because you have the players from the old regime regime still there. Mm-hmm. And you have a new coach who don't have no ties to you. He didn't draft you. He, he might not even like you actually as a player. He just you on the contract and you affordable, so he might keep you. He might even like not like you as a player. He might already be looking at your replacement. Yeah. So when you had that, and then when the players they're gonna bring in from free agency in the draft, they already gonna when you're old when you're a player from the old regime, you already looking at those players like if they bring in a linebacker and I was with Nagy system, I'm already looking like okay, they brought in a linebacker that played my position, a new guy that they drafted or they brought in. Who you think they're gonna be more loyal to? Like of course, the, the guy they brought in. That's, his, that's their guy. Yeah. So, so that's what that's what makes the locker room ugly. Plus, they he gonna have to clean house because it's gonna be some players just the way the world works, the way just us as human beings. It's gonna be some people just like how JB is. Don't care what he say. <laughs> they gonna be looking at him just like how JB looking. Not in the mean results, man. <laughs> man, I don't care what you say. Like you weren't good to me. So he they gonna be they they gonna be unhappy. So they are gonna be transitioning out because he gonna if they not performing and you you. You pouting around the Hattest Hall, they're going to get you out of there. So it's always ugly because they got to clean. They basically come in and clean house. That's what the work means. He's going to work you. He's going to see all the players that don't want to buy in, all the players that's going to find ways to tap out or to get out of working hard, and he's going to get rid of those guys. Yeah. Which which we all love and want to see, but right. I say this again. Just because you want somebody gone doesn't mean that the cap says we can get rid of them just that easy. Uh, <laughs> no, the bands I mean, can't just give up that bread right quick. Right, you like you right, JB, but but some but he can try. But every player could get rid like some they'll eat a cap if they just have to to get rid of you if they if a well, well I'm, I'm talking about the high price guys. Yeah, yeah, they'll find a way to get you out of there. Like like I'm I mean, not taking. No we always talk about well, we always talk about how they can manipulate the numbers right one way. Why like, can't they manipulate the numbers the other way? I'm sure there's ways that they there's can figure probably, these out. There's probably been that that's been happened before, but again, we're talking that, about like, that after June first trade stuff is what I'm talking about. That, that's what you know you're talking it. about. But when you look at it, like okay, play devil's advocate. Matt Eberflus and uh, Ryan Poles have just said they traded Khalil Mack for a third round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. People are gonna be like, "This idiot! What is he doing? You don't get rid of Khalil Mack." That'd be a dream. But then we'll be looking at. The numbers and stuff for Mac right now. Oh yeah, but no. But what I'm saying is, we'll be looking at it for like the greater good of the future. But then, who's to say whoever they get to replace him now they're two to three years to four years maybe even behind where Mac production was still tailing off. Now we're looking at Eberflus like, dude, what did you what did you do? But here's what he did. CJB, thank you because that fits into what I'm saying perfectly. Is your offense a finished product? Absolutely not. Is your defense going to be a finished product if you go younger and you get the, these players the and defense, let them have reps? The defense will be about a year to two years behind in a rebuild behind the yes. offense, in my estimation. Yeah. If, if we go with their plan, because when I looked at the numbers 
I'm not too much into age like you, but when I looked at the numbers and the production and then who's available free agency and what the draft looks like, we look into two to three years yeah. a lot, like like a lot two to three years. Oh. Like it's not even close. I would go as far as to say that we're probably two or three years away from really contending on the offensive side of the ball. So why not start the rebuild on that end right now? Well, that, that's what I mean. I mean, to, in, yeah, in totality, together, man. two yeah. to three years, because when you look at it, what you get, then you look at like everybody. So you have a barometer, you got your Aaron Donald, and then you got your guy that just plugs in and plays hard. Yeah. You hope for Aaron Donald. You hope you never get the plug and play guy that you that, that just sucks. You want to fall somewhere in between. Yeah. But when you don't have the draft capital this year, that automatically pushes you back next year. You don't have a lot of cap space, so that automatically puts you back next year. Now we're one year behind. Yeah, Those same players are getting older if you don't trade them. Now we're getting 10 to two years behind because now we have another draft coming where if we're smart, we don't trade any more draft capital for catching lightning in a bottle like another Jimmy Graham or somebody like that. We want to make sure that we get the right people for this man's system, both offensively and defensively, then we're talking about year three, year four of his contract, maybe making some noise. Yeah. Yeah. If we win 10 games next year and limp into the playoff and we still in, in the middle of the road, I'm not going to be happy with that. I'm not. I'm, we can't I'm be. really, really not. We can't be. And so, our Aaron, Chris Edgerton, what, T, Aaron? What yeah. are we exploding with? So, <laughs> we don't have anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, so Chris Edgerton says here, he, you know, you want to get rid of guys that are on the wrong side of 30. I'm I said just no. going to use stats on this. I'm I not. Said I'm not the but guy. I'm go, not <laughs> go look at the leaders in the NFL at every pass rushing category. Outside of an outlying Robert Quinn, you can't name me very many guys 31 and up that are on that top 20 list, guys. You can't. And that's what I'm saying here is that you're going to be spending money for a guy who's not top 20 in any st statistical category. What is the point of having him on the team? Go get younger. Go get fresh. Go get draft capital. Go save some salary money and build a new team. I don't understand why this is so hard for people to understand. Like, just build a new team or watch us be in purgatory, guys. Well, I want to I want to ask this, too. You know, work, I'm always going to defer to you, my brother. But what would make a free agent a Good free agent, not a plug and play guy. A good I mean, when I say plug and play, I don't mean he's bad, but what would make a name, in your opinion, to want to come here? Because I would wonder, like, if you were a top free agent, would you want to come here right now? <laughs> As presently constructed with Eberflus and all this new stuff going on, no continuity, no, no veteran leadership that you would know as a coach of staff. Would you want to come here? If I was a if I was a free agent right now, the top guy. I'm talking like the Bobby Wagner's, right, the Tristan Kirksey's, right, right. the top guy. Right. So before when we was dealing with nagging uncertainty, remember I was like, no, I wouldn't come here because absolutely you know, this situation is I don't know. Now that they have a coach and he a defensive guy, I would come here if I had a chance to come. Uh, if I was a top linebacker though, y'all y'all have Ro Roquan already. So <laughs> and there's something that. We're going to get to probably right. next week. There's a big question that yes. you're going to get asked next week. And it's, you're going to be the high. I mean, you're always the <laughs> highlight of the show anyway, but you are going to be asked a, a specific question about Roquan Smith and this new four, three defense. So that's a teaser for next week. You guys, but 
You said we have Roquan, but we still we don't have the other two. And that's right. exactly so, so if I was yeah. if I wasn't a middle linebacker, if I wasn't a Mike middle linebacker like Roquan and I was like a weak side backer, and I would come here just because I know I have an opportunity to have a coach, I wouldn't have to be competing against like favorites or people that he even work with. Like I know everybody coming in with a clean slate. And if they're giving me the money that I want, and I know I'm coming in with a coach that brought me in on his first staff. You know what I'm saying? Like that's something I would that would be more enticing. But like yeah. when I was talking about the Nagy situation, no, I wouldn't want to come in that. Like, no. But now I'd be like, I will it's always gonna get down to the money, JB. Like let's money be talks, honest. bullshit walks. It comes down to the money yep. and the opportunity that you think you can succeed. So if they put if they run in the defense, if I come in, they telling me they're gonna send me on a lot of blitzes and I'm gonna get the rush to pass up and I'm gonna be all in, into involved in the defense, yeah, I'm gonna wanna come. Yeah. The record. Like winning and losing, like players want to win. Don't get me wrong, players want to win, but usually players, it works that players want to win, get their money, then they want to win. Yeah. I know it. It don't sound. Maybe fans don't like to hear that, but well, some of the fans even in we, our chat are saying trade them as well. We understand because first of all, you get your bread, hope to win, but then when you get later on, you've already got your bread. Now it's like I'm looking to win, right? Yeah. And it's funny okay. because my my mom had asked a question. We're going to get to her question. Yeah, because this kind of ties in is because yeah. I'm like, if you go, mind you, you get your bread, but you go to a losing team, what's the point? Like, I just wasted two to three years of my <laughs> latter years trying to win. I got my bread. Yeah. But now I'm on this team where it's kind of like, damn, I wish I hadn't came here. Man, Arizona was offering me $2 million less. I should have took it, you know. So y'all finna make me talk the real <laughs> red pill time. We always talk the real. So <laughs> man, players always players always gonna go for the money first. If I can, mm -hmm. I'm telling you the truth because your money is what you have once you stop playing football. Like if I sign a contract and I get a guaranteed contract and I tear my knee up to where they can't repair it, I still have my money. You got your yep. bread, yeah. There you but go. now if I don't get mm -hmm. the money and I go to a team and they can go to the Super Bowl, but if I tear my knee up and can't play no more. I have a Super Bowl ring with no money though. Like yep. my career is over, so you gotta sell that Super Bowl ring. And exactly, that's just so, sad. I, like, I don't want to see that. Like players always gonna go. Like the money is what is just what make the make the what makes make the world the go around, it man. Make, it make the machine work. As championships come after, most players that start chasing championships, if you look, they usually older players who already got money. Like they could go chase teams and try to make fit in because they already got the money. But most players, when they going for the money. Yeah, they'll they'll go to the Jets or somebody that you'd be like, why do you go to the Jets? Uh, the Jets. Alan Robinson. Money. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> no, I'll take you one back. I wanted Damian Woody to come here as our oh, tackle. Woody. <laughs> he went to the Jets, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, you went from the Patriots to the Jets, right? right. I was like, oh, that's I feel like that was also it. part of a slight, you know, for them not really paying him. And he's like, what team can I go to? That's going to piss them off the most. Of course, true, if there are tribes. But, but I'm saying a lot of that has to come into play. And guys, like we're saying um, to our audience, all is rosy and good. And you have this plan. Yeah. Until you don't. Mike Tyson said it best. I got a plan until somebody hits me in the mouth. Yep. Everybody does. So he can he can G.I. Joe and rah, rah, rah all we want. And let's get the hits. And. Let's talk about the why that's really the letter Y and not W H Y all you want. And then Well, we're gonna be talking about hits this year because hits is the motto. And I forgot to put up I had a little cutout of 
what the hits are and what they stand for and all that. We can get to it another night. But I had to answer some of these comments in here. So our friend Bullets said that my boy Tom Brady's over 30. That's a completely different position. It's a completely different analytical point. Most quarterbacks over 30 are excelling in the league and actually doing a better job. There's more asked of an edge rusher in his 30s, dropping back in coverage, rushing the passer every single play, getting hit, pounded every play. It's a massively different position. So you cannot compare a quarterback to a to an edge rusher. It's a different guy. It's like, jersey on practice. That's completely on, different. Like a green not, jersey, a red jersey. You like cannot do that. Not like that is that's the most inexcusable excuse I've but ever just seen. The sophistication like, of the position alone allows them to play yeah. longer. It's absolutely like, nightmare. And the rules. And the rules. You can't even the rules. Yeah, the rules. Like damn. You can't really. land on top of them. You can't tickle him. <laughs> you can't do nothing. <laughs> can't no insult his mom. Can't do anything right. to him. Hey, hey, Ward, I'm 6'5, 330. And if I fall just stumbling trying to tap you, now you tell me I it's an illegal hit. Like, really? Gravity yeah. did that. It's a quarterback because they make a lot of money and they want them to last more than 30. But all other positions like running back. Yeah, linebackers, D line. Running back, thirty is the benchmark for you know yeah. anyone over thirty, except a couple outliers. Yeah, thirty not really 30 having that not, kind of production. Thirty is not old when you in a no. big scheme in life, like in life. No. thirty year old is like a baby considered NFL in life. life. But in NFL, like in world, like thirty is a, a lot of wear and tear on your body because you got to mm-hmm. think when they getting you. By the time you turn thirty in NFL, that means you've been in the league at least. What, 10 years, nine, 10 years? You probably can't. Somewhere around it, no less than eight. At least eight. That's eight years of NFL on your body. Then you had four to five years in college. Yeah. Then you had high school, little league. By the time you get to 30 in life, your body is wearing down. And that's just that's just nature. That's just the body. Yes, mm-hmm. it's people, it's guys that could play. It's those one or two guys, those <laughs> those those one percent guys that play to 22 years like a Brady or all these guys that played a long time. But for the majority, your body just wear down. Like, it's just a wear and tear on your body. That's why teams always trying to get younger or always trying to stay young. Because, number one, it's cheaper players. And, two, they just don't have to deal with as much as an older guy. Like, injuries, uh, habits that you – because once you get to that old, too, whatever habits you have – you ain't pre- you ain't pre- and, and, and right, and that's what I was saying. Like with this guy, like the old habits. You know how, yes. what, what we say, man. I don't practice during the week. I just play on Sundays. It's that's a lot of guys like that. No, well, we're not doing that. Thing you're gonna do more like that. I'm pretty sure Khalil Mack is on a on a on a reduced practice schedule just because of his where he at, like where he at in his career. Like they want to save that type of player. You want to keep as much. Juice in the tank for Sunday. So, yeah, he probably is going to be on a reduced practice schedule just to save his knees and his shoulders and his ankles. Yeah. The, the beating down. So, that's why I say, like, there's a lot of stuff that happened with football, with sports and professional sports that's different than, like, amateur sports, like college. Mm-hmm. You know, college is starting to get blurred into a professional. But but it's, yeah. it's, just, a different, it's just a different way to attack it because once they start paying you, you become an asset. In college, you're not as – you wasn't as much as an asset because they could just get a lot. They get new kids from high school. Jimmy but in the pros, you pretty much stuck. When you sign a guy to contract, you know that guy going to be on your team for a while. So you got to take care of him. That's just how yeah, it works. That's right. That's right. Our buddy Aaron, and this is the name I was thinking of. You know how many times this year when I looked at the injury report, I saw Jimmy Graham not playing because of rest? Right. That's the other thing that a lot of people 
were arguing with me about on the Facebook group, for example, is, you know, it's like, oh, these young guys, they're going to have to earn their spot. They're going to want to get their chance, yada, yada, yada. How are they getting their chance? How How is the uh, Travis Gibson getting his chance whenever he's sitting by Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn? Unless they're not practicing that day, you're not getting him. In training camp, the ones are playing with the ones. The ones are getting the reps. You're getting your guys ready for an NFL season. They're not getting – yes, they're all going to be prepared. They're supposed to be prepared. But the guys that are the number one guys, the guys getting the reps in the practice, are the guys that are obviously going to de- develop more than others. So if you keep these guys, you, you are – basically outside of next man up you're not giving them the opportunity to play on Sundays in a consistent basis and that's what I have a problem with right. so and it's just it's the it's the nature of the beast like it is it and is. you're right those guys those uh, Khalil Mack and the Quinn even if they don't practice during the week on Sunday they're gonna play yes number one because they make more money than him so you're stealing <laughs> that away from them and you're not giving these guys yeah. that need the reps the kind of reps but we'll move on on this we've got questions galore guys we're gonna make sure to get to all of them too i'm starting way back halfway up my scroll list <laughs> <laughs> you guys are killing it tonight thank you yeah. guys we appreciate it so first is from moms in here and moms is asking what do we think about the owners offering to pay coaches to throw games in order to get better draft picks? God, I was hoping we'd get away from this today, but it's, <laughs> I inevitable. Knew that was coming. <laughs> it's inevitable. Kind of figured it was going to come to. Anyone want to go? It always yeah. happens. Um, <laughs> it happened in all sports. Like, I'm about to say, what do I think about it? I'm not naive to it happening. No, yeah, exactly. I, I know it happens. It does. It's, it's not a secret. Am I shocked? No. Is it a dirty little secret? One of many dirty little secrets that's finally been let out the bag? Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, how many times have we told, and I'll switch sports, how many times after the Derrick uh, Derek Rose years were we telling the Bulls, hey, take. Hey, <laughs> like, please, yeah. take. We need somebody. So Me. This guy. <laughs> I was. That Cubs team, <laughs> they, were, they were told to lose. Like all, them teams, all the teams do it. All the teams tank. They, they were told ways. to lose. They put, you, <laughs> they put players on. They put players on IR. Say you have a, a ankle injury that's been nagging them all year, so we're gonna put them on IR when they're ready to, to call it quits and don't want to fight no more. It's just that's just part of the business. It's just that that's a dirty secret that that then got out. That, yeah, uh, and that's all I view it as too. It's just right. something that now it's not, it's something that everyone ethical. talks about. Right. It's not nobody ethical, says it out loud. No, it's not. But that's what the NFL is, guys. Newsflash, just so everybody knows, the NFL is full of lying and <laughs> cheating and doing anything you can to get ahead. I promise you that. And Warren's laughing because he knows it's true. Yeah, it's true. Those guys lied to us every time a coach goes up to the podium and speaks to us in a press conference, he's lying. He's lying about ninety percent of the time, in in right. in my opinion, if it's not about what happened X's O's wise in the game, he's lying to us or or omitting, which a lot of people view as lying too. Right, right. So, not shocked here, guys. I didn't lie; I just didn't tell. <laughs> not, yeah, <laughs> pretty much one of those kind of omitting kind of things. You know what yeah. I mean? So, our next question: Apparently, me and JB are chopped liver because this one is for Warwick. <laughs> Our buddy Jason asked, what I would like to hear from Warwick on the surface, <laughs> does Matt strike him as a coach that can hold a locker room? Uh, 
initially, no, he seemed kind of like boring, kind of monotone, like bland type of dude. So he a type of guy, like I say, I played for Dick Jerron. He was the same type of guy. Yeah. Like just talking to him, he just, hey guys, let's go out there and play. And but he like talk to you, he encouraged you, like, like it's it's different type of coaches. It's the coaches that's the kind of like the Tomlins, the Sean McVeighs that's rah rah getting your face and got that personality. And then it's just coaches just like Billichek, just wear the hoodie, coach, do what they do, they into all that. So I would say he probably not a guy that's gonna make everybody like stand up when he come in the room and he he talk to everybody and could laugh and giggle with people. But he might be a guy that can man the room just because you know if you do if you work for him he gonna give you respect he gonna you gonna benefit. That's what that's what the kind of coaches really players want. We don't care about uh, coaches that be your friend and buddy buddy and can crack jokes and run down the sideline with you. I care about a coach that if I play good he gonna reward me that he gonna stand up and reward me if I play good and yeah. pretty much that's all. I would ask from a coach. So he probably not a hold a locker room, but I he gonna have to earn this respect, obviously. And that's and that's what I was gonna have was I was gonna ask you is I think it's the opposite way. I think he's got to earn the players' respect first yeah. by him being a first-time guy. It's not like I just, you know, we since we've been talking about Mike Tomlin, it's not like Mike Tomlin came into the Bears job and we like, oh shit, it's Mike Tomlin. Like, man, we better get our stuff together. God, I wish. It's not like that. I know for a fact a lot of players are like. Man, you hear dude talking about some track shoes, man? Come on, man, bro. Yeah, I know that. I but, wish he would. <laughs> okay, so and another thing is, you we got to remember too that we talking about football. Like you, like you always say, JB, this you got to be a leader, of men. Yes, <laughs> leading men is different. Like leading and leading professional men that's been doing something all their life is different too. Like that's why not everybody could be a coach because when you walk. When you talking to a guy who been like, man, like I say, I started playing football when I was like seven, <laughs> all the way into my thirties. So when I when a dude talk to me like, don't talk to me about like stuff about how you put your hands or how you place your hands or how you take on a block. That's that's like I learned that in high school. Tell me the fine little points of how like the great players did it or how great players studied tape or how they what techniques they worked on to be great. That's what that's what more players that's what players like want to hear from coaches. Yeah. And that's what that's really how coaches approach professional athletes. Like, I ain't finna the X's and O's. You should know the X's and O's. We finna work on the finer points to make you a better player, to make you a leader, to make you a team player. You know, like whatever they need to you need to work on to be a better professional player. So that's what I want to hear. That's that right there, Ward. That's what I want to yeah. hear. Because if you, when you get to this level to a certain degree, everybody know how to play football. Yep. Right. Oh, they should. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just like, that's just like what's going on in basketball if I could just segue to basketball just to not to be on top of it but with Ben Simmons that's what I feel like the Ben Simmons thing is is that yeah. dude you can't shoot a jumper and you at the highest level at this point and like see that type of stuff where I don't have sympathy for him because I'm like none zero see this is your problem because you should have worked on this <laughs> you got all the resources you got you have a professional team that you play for you have outside shooting coaches you could work in the offseason. Like, this is your problem that you making it like it's our problem because we don't – we're not on your on your team no more because you can't shoot. Yeah. That's the same with a football player. Like I say, like, he's coming in telling people. That's basically, like, I'm going to say again, when you hear Coach say, get your track shoes ready, that means get ready to come in to work. Yep. Hey, yeah. We're hitting the ground running. Either you're going to get on this train or you're going to get left, and that's just how it is. And that's how I feel like most coaches should come in. That's how you should. That's how you get respect. 
like how we always talk about getting respect from older players. That's mm-hmm. how you get it. Now, yeah, it's going to be some that don't want to buy in, but that's just life. Yeah. You get them out, you get them where they need to be. Hey, you don't like how I coach? Where would you like to go? We'll see what we can work on to get you there. And if we can't, we'll just get rid of you and you figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. That's, how most, that's how it is in the business. That's how they approach you. So either you get on my my plan or you you good luck to you. I hope yeah. you have a great career. And that's yeah. just and- I love that you brought up Ben Simmons because I have a great comparison for you. So there was another longer player in the NBA who had the ugliest jump shot I've ever seen in my life in Alonzo Ball. <laughs> oh, Alonzo Ball coming out of UCLA. That ball looked horrible. <laughs> but what did he do this past offseason? Worked at it, worked at it, worked at it, worked at it, right? Got better. I think he's still shooting over 40% from three right now, if I'm not mistaken. We're not going to get full talk tonight, guys. Don't worry. But but he worked on his game, and he he looked at the things he was bad at, and he worked on them and got better. Some players do that, and other other players literally take their ball and go home like a Ben Simmons. Right. So, And I, and I know there's other things, so I don't want to like try to throw them under the bus because it's probably other you know, like management and coaches was telling well, me. Yes, hey, there is. But for the most part, yeah, work, I'm there is, him. but I yeah. mean, at the same well, time, the very right? glaring point with him is let's just call it what it is, guys. He really don't like basketball. I don't think he does, and that's kind of the point I was getting to is that you have guys who are going to take the time and right. put in the work and do what needs to be done, and the other guys can hit the road, right. and that's what you're saying, work. And I agree completely, and that's right. the kind of guys that Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles want to bring in. Right. I heard Ryan Poles on an interview. One of his biggest pet peeves, again, loafing, not doing your job. They're going to start holding people accountable. Right. I can't wait for, before you get to the next question, before you get to the next question, I just want to throw this in there. I can't wait until he evaluates. Remember he said, we want to evaluate everybody and then evaluate. Yes. Sam Mustafer, because. Oh, he's gone. He's going to be on Olin Cruz's bad side. He's man. gone. He's he is a free agent. That's what I'm and, saying. And like, it's not even – I don't even think with, with Sam Mustafer. He called the offensive line weak. It's a, He did. And that's <laughs> the first place that I'm looking, obviously. But there was something else that Ryan Pohl said. I wish I had pulled the audio. He brought up about how the fact that he wants those guys on the offensive line to react to things, to be leaders on the offense. Whenever they see something happening, a la whenever Mr. Kevin Jenkins ran after someone in Minnesota, that's what he's looking for. So I feel like he was literally calling out Jermaine Effetti because he did the opposite of that, because he wasn't reactionary and had the passion. He wants those kind of guys. He wants the Tevin Jenkins. And that's what I get pumped about. Yes, they are words, JB, they are. But when I hear him saying things like that, especially throwing the word accountability and passion around like that, that much, it helps me think that he's really going to follow through with it. But that's the big question, that, guys. That part I did like. See, that from yes. him, that was a little bit inspiring. I it did is. like that about him. I did. So if we get back to nastiness, we get back to you know having passion, having what we want as Bears fans, having a team that has a pulse, a team that really believes in itself and follows its leader. That's what they're trying to sell. And as long as they keep on that road and they actually abide by their word, then I'm 100% great with this. I am. 
thousand. I don't mind. A, I don't mind a throwback. Like I said, I'm I'm from the throwback. I love it. Like I said, one of my yeah, favorite yeah. D coordinators work, you know, is Greg Bloss. Like, <laughs> yeah, Greg Bloss. Tell, that was the no nonsense dude. I'd watch him on the sideline, just light dudes up. Like I <laughs> light dudes. Up. But, but you was gonna you was gonna respect him because they did talking about right right. A lot Brian Erlacher did knew what he was talking about. He did and 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 if you did what he said. There was results that were shown and proven. Right. You know, this this new regime, this new guy, they got a lot of proving to do first. Before you win that locker room, back to the original question, right? Win in the locker room. Yeah. To be determined. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. To be determined. Like I say, he I don't see he don't seem like a guy that's just gonna win people with just off his personality. Half full, JB. We finally got him a little bit. <laughs> That's all you can do. But guys, if you want to ask any more questions right before we jump to the next segment, please do now. Because <laughs> it's either now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> we're gonna be moving on. But but yeah, guys, like just just really looking at that going forward. It's something that as fans, that's all we can do is hope. So just try to be hopeful. I understand a lot of people wanted this guy. A lot of people wanted that guy. There's one thing I do know is that no matter who you wanted and who you didn't want, there was zero chance you were getting Jim Harbaugh. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Absolutely zero chance. Was never coming. Was never leaving Michigan. Stop talking about Jim Harbaugh. Just stop. He was never coming here. He Look, never you talking about somebody message get old. <laughs> you want to talk about somebody who mismanaged something? The guy Shoot. went to Minnesota on national signing day and interviewed with a team. Supposedly, <laughs> allegedly. You want you want that kind of guy around here? The second things get tough, he's gonna look for the bigger, better deal every every time. I don't want that guy. And yes, we've went on this show. JB and I are both lockstep in this. Jim Harbaugh is not the guy you want as your head coach, guys. He's not. He looks like a shiny new toy, and then as soon as you open that thing up, the arm falls off. He's <laughs> not as good as you think he is. I'm not gonna say he's a horrible coach. He's not. I'm not doing that. But We'll move on. Bullets, every week now, I, I feel like ever since Warwick he got in the house, I know. our buddy Bullets here asked where he got the painting behind him. It's the cowboy. What is a cold painting? With the guitar. It's not, it's not a cowboy. Uh, our buddy Chris Lenz knows seriously how much. He, he watched last week. He was asking Warwick how much the painting would as you, be. As you could, I don't know. Wait. I don't know if yep. you could, yep. if you could yeah. see you say it's not a cowboy. No, he's barefoot right there. That they probably. Oh yeah, like, he, oh. yeah, he's barefoot. Oh, he's yeah. a country boy. Is yeah, it's like supposed to be really supposed to be like logo real quick so everyone. Yeah, can he see just it. got like a straw hat on, got a guitar, got his like on the bayou or something. Right, that's what it really yeah. is. Okay, you on a, like a chilling on the bayou at a lake, and they always say cowboy, and I just like. That's really how you know people. That's how you, that's how you know people have ran out of questions for us because they're asking us about your wall <laughs> picture again. I feel like I, I answer that. I answer that every week, huh? I think you. <laughs> ever that since you got it, if, ever if since you, you went in the house, now, you yeah. know everybody loves that's it. That's why I say I need to. I need to hurry up and put some more pictures. Like I say, I got pictures. I'm just looking. I got pictures. My my 
college diploma against the wall. I'm a, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna try to work on it. Where next time it's gonna be, you're gonna be able to say like pictures hanging up in the back. So we need to get you like this real nice office, you know, having <laughs> all your accolades up on the wall, you know, all over. It's just, it's just, it's just I haven't set it back up. Like I said, I just I moved in this house a couple months ago, so I just ain't really got to that point. I get but this that. is like my little man. <laughs> My, my little game room man cave, so I'll fix up. Little? <laughs> well. <laughs> doesn't look that little from here. It looks massive. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> that literally looks like a giant living room. So we've got I did a- have a question, AB, because did we ever get the answer to the poll question? Because all three of us oh, said oh. rebuild. Did we ever Thank get you. The- Thank you for reminding yeah, me. I almost I, was wondering. I do this all the time, guys. Okay, so basically the answer of that question with over, I believe it was around 75% of, of them actually went retool, which was crazy to me that it still was that high. I mean, it was real high, guys. Like, I have to go through both Twitter and Facebook. And, they like, count fans, out. they want to win now. I, there was I mean, like, I get it. It was like, 100 and, like 120 some votes, I think, or something like that, 130 maybe. I, but I it, it was it was significantly for retooling, which I'm still amazed with. But we have one more question here from our buddy Joe Ryan. He asked, do you think Georgie and Terrible Teddy will attempt to throw their weight around it if they feel polls and the coaching staff is getting too powerful? Wow. Dang. Okay. <laughs> we can get to that one after that. Uh, I would I would hope I hope I hope they wouldn't. I, I hope not. I hope they just sit back for a change, which I think they do anyway. So my answer is like <laughs> my answer is gonna be like no. I like no. I don't think they do. I really don't think they do anything to this. they have to. Like they pressed in the corner. Like they was pressed in the corner to get rid of Nagy because the fans turned on. The fans was <laughs> basically about the uh, run into Alice Hall and overthrow it to get him out of there. So that's the only yeah. reason they changed. That's what I personally feel. Like, I don't feel – I don't see the Bear owners as, like, proactive-type owners that jump on stuff and win. No, I don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. more owners them. like, oh, we're going to give him another chance. And once you get to – we we down where we – the bottom of the division, now we need to change. And yeah. So I say I hope they wouldn't – I hope they let those guys do run it in. Long as they start winning, know what they're doing. Now, if they're not winning and not and not running the right, yeah, get them out of there. But if not, let them. Why not let them have the power? So, if they got the power and they were succeeding, they would be okay. But what if they weren't succeeding and they kind of had that kind of power? How fast do you think they'd be knocking them out? <laughs> like, is this another four year out thing? Yeah, that's yeah. What I say. That's what I say about. So I say, I say Ryan, guy, like he's gonna get like three to four years again. Same Ryan Pace got seven, and Ryan Pace drafted Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. So I feel like obviously the GM's gonna get a little more leeway. Right. So I would say yes, but I think this is a situation for those guys. We all know that Teddy's probably gonna be gone after next season. He's gonna head up the Arlington job. I've heard retirement thrown out with him in 2023 as well. After they really get this going, oh, he's um, not going to take the CFO position. Well, supposedly he might be retiring and leaving after 2023. Those are just rumblings. I don't know what's true. I haven't talked to enough people that know this situation to really understand. So I can't really speak on that. But what I can say is that just by knowing what kind of people they are, if they give him that leeway and they do succeed, he's going to sit back and let it happen because he knows that in the end, he's going to win. 
because he's the guy who made the hire, right? He's the guy who brought in Ryan Pohl. So if Ryan Pohl succeeds, then Georgie succeeds. So, of course, he's going to let him. I mean, he has to as long as they're winning. So I'll say this. I'll say yes and no. But for me, the power part, it, it, the power part doesn't come in because of the winning or losing because of what polls or Eberflus did or didn't do. It comes into what the fan base is looking at from the revenue standpoint pre-Arlington. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I feel that even on his way out, he still has to cement his legacy like, hey, you didn't do much winning, but I got you this. And that's what I really, really feel that that's what Ted and George are going to kind of like hang their hat on because right now, after George, who really isn't? From what I understand, the grandkids don't really want anything to do with it. Is it up for sale? Who knows at this point? Now, I will say this. Pace is seven years. I don't think polls would be given that year if we just are like back-to-back years terrible. So I have a question for you on that, but you can finish what you're saying. Well, well only because, like I said, I, I think they would want to have some juice, some winning, like really, really contention winning going into the Arlington project. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why I said if they're losing, like it's like some – Cleveland Brown, Detroit looking stuff. <laughs> two two years, two and a half years, they gone. Man. Yeah. So the thing about that that I'm going to ask you that really gives me pause and wonder is that Ryan Pace got seven years. Mm-hmm. He drafted two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So if, and this is a huge hypothetical, and you know I don't like hypotheticals, but it just popped in my brain. I gotta ask. <laughs> if if by some unfortunate thing Justin Fields does not turn out he trades him because that's not his guy but does that so they don't tie in Ryan Poles with a a Justin Fields and they give him another shot right well again because of the timetable being so short he kind of so he to me put my beer down to me he kind of put himself in a catch-22 by hiring such a young not tenured in the NFL staff, but a young at their position staff to where if they, if he doesn't develop quick. Yeah. Whereas if you had a, just throwing a name out, if you had a Jim Caldwell, a Pep Hamilton, yeah, a Ken, uh, Ken Wisenhunt, who was pretty good on the OC side. If you had a guy like that, who's known for like, as soon as he steps in the building, stuff gets better. I think he'd have a little bit different outlook on that. But because okay. you hired somebody so brand new, they got to break themselves in as well. Yeah. I don't think they can afford to have another seven years to deal with that. Because no matter what we look at, Justin Fields is not Ryan Pohl's quarterback. He's not. <laughs> Our buddy Joe Ryan says that George has stated that Darth Phillips is <laughs> handing out the stadium project. <laughs> If True Ted is going to be around for a while, simply out of the spotlight as much as possible. And that's what I'm hoping to as well. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a look a Death Star looking stadium, would you? <laughs> I mean, as long as it's a dome and you can Oh, if it's not a dome, then I he didn't mess up again if it's not a dome, well, baby. When have we known them not to do that, man? It's gotta be retractable. That's what everybody <laughs> thinks. All the same argument doing. we had last time, what, way back in what, like two thousand two, two thousand three or whatever? Look, man, like the same argument. Nobody told him to put that damn UFO on top of that. 
Yo, somebody did. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was like his great granddaughter that just oh. drew some stuff. <laughs> Probably. All he needs one of those. Looks do good, Papa. Just, <laughs> just draw a giant circle <laughs> and just go here, here, here's your freaking stadium. It's a giant circle. Just nothing but retracting on the top. You know, I don't know if I want that. Honestly, I don't know if I want that because remember when you had the 49ers playing um, the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium? You talking about when the roof got stuck? Not that. I saw a play where a receiver for Dallas was pretty open and literally they showed his view of what it was and it was just sunlight. Like there's, there's like parts in the field in certain times of day where you are blinded. Right. Do I really want that for my football team either? Is that what you're playing there eight times a year, whatever? Man. You want to have that disadvantage? Like so you want it totally closed. No, no. Well, you can have it retracted. That's fine. But you gotta you gotta pick and choose when. Like I don't want windows around the side to where sun's going to beam off the window and blind somebody on the field. I want, you know, a closed dome that you can open it up, but don't open it up when the sun's beaming right over somebody's face and blind them unless it's the other team's offense. Yeah, like there's just a lot of weird like quirks that I think I would but, have. But if, it, if it's anything like Allegiant Stadium, oh. my God, so most, most stadiums have retractable roofs now, so yeah, and they yeah, got stadiums they can roll. Your stadium going back you was pretty dope too, Houston. Houston. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stadium yeah. have a Reliant, Atlanta. Stadium. Reliant, I couldn't think of the name. Reliant, yeah, Reliant. That's the Texans. I think the Falcon Stadium got a retractable roof. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stadiums out there. So that's yeah. so. Like I said, that ain't nothing new. I man. know, I know, in my heart that the first game of the season, whenever the Bears played the Rams. They went to SoFi Stadium and they were blown away. Absolutely. I know it. I I could feel it <laughs> in my heart watching that whole intro to that. Just looking at how beautiful it was. I'm like, here it comes for us, boys. Opening <laughs> night, Sunday night football, the Bears and Rams. They're just showcasing this amazing stadium. And all I'm thinking is that they're finally going to listen. They're finally going to listen. But we'll see. I mean, it takes, what, two two to two and a half years to build a stadium? We're not going to – so they haven't even laid out the groundwork for it yet. All they've done is just get, like, the permit, like, stuff all pushed in. You're not going to see this till maybe 2027. Maybe. Oh, speaking of that, you know what? I heard something real crazy, and we'll touch on this later on. An AFC AFC team might be looking to come to Chicago. Did you all hear that today? What? No. ALC team. Elaborate. So, so there was talks about, you know how every, what is it, like every three years they talk about an expansion team possibly being created? Yeah. And they were talking about a team from the AFC possibly moving to Chicago to kind of double up in that market. Oh, wow. So I was just kind of like, ooh, if the Bears move to Arlington, would somebody try to come and take that little trash UFO looking stadium? Or does McCormick Place become somebody's stadium, That's which what is I think way is. bigger? I I wanted to say that. I was going to say McCormick Place. That's that's the one that I would view just for, like, parking-wise is way better, you know. Everything about that could be significantly better <laughs> than Soldier Field. Soldier Field, I as much as I want Soldier Field 
you know, <laughs> really to be more than what it was. Like, I, I want it to feel like it was when I was a kid, and it doesn't feel that way anymore. I don't feel that nostalgia or well, anything it's not like even, that it, anymore. It lost his, they, well, not lost. They took away the landmark status of it. That was the whole purpose of keeping the columns. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, I love the fact that they, they're basically saluting the – the, the troops, yeah. you know, that's all what, that stuff. Really was, but... Like, I love that about it. But man, like, you're losing out on so much money doing that. Like, you can get six, seven million dollars a year in endorsements just by changing the name. That's what they pay right now for rent, <laughs> and they don't have a sponsor. And they're still just like one of our fans said earlier, number three on the list of teams in the league, value wise. Like they could really well, just watch, just watch up, for some man. more rumors about that. Like I said, I heard that today. Uh, I was it was ESPN 1000 I was listening to, okay. And when that I'm came out, I was just like, Oh, I was like, Oh, what really? Because remember, we had talked about earlier in the year that Buffalo wanted to move, was looking to move, and I was just like, Wow, the Chicago Bills really yeah. that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> so, so our buddy Oliver asked, So, what do you what do you do with the convention business? Like, if so moving, Oliver, if there's two to McCormick, that's what he's there's, asking. There's the new McCormick place. Yeah. But then there's that old black building that's like bigger than Soldier Field. Yeah. It's further down by, I guess, what would you call that? Um, if the street went all the way through, it's almost like would be like 20, 23rd Street, 24th Street. It's past Sunday. But if you go and look at the original. McCormick Place, which is a big black warehouse. Yeah. It's literally bigger than Soldier Field, and it's plenty of room, and there's so much parking, and then, obviously, if somebody bought that out and they did what they did to it, I mean, I don't know what the park district does to Soldier Field. It becomes null and void to me, but... You have, like, outdoor concerts in the summertime. The Chicago Fire play there. Okay. Oh, they're not at the Toyota Center anymore. No, um, I, I know... Fred Hubner went to games and he always had photos up and he was at Soldier Field. So I don't think that they have that. I don't think they play there anymore. I think they play. It used, to be, it used to be the Toyota Center or Toyota. Yeah, Field yeah. I'm pretty sure that they play at Soldier now and that that's it. I, as far as I know, I don't know. We're not Chicago Fire with a brain. So I, I honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little sorry, you. guys. I love my <laughs> Chicago sports, but I'm. Yeah. That's the one that we don't remember, guys. But. We got to move on here, and guys, I've got one more important question for you guys. But first, we're going to hear from the John Darren team out in Homer Glen. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. 
And that was a word from our sponsor, the John Darren team out in Homer Glen. Guys, make sure to get out there today if you're looking for a home in the Chicagoland area. Even if it's snowing and ridiculous in Chicago right now, and you you have to buy an igloo. I bet the guy could probably <laughs> sell you one pretty cheap. <laughs> make sure to go to homesbyjdt.com today. So last on the list, guys. Got a question for you. This is What Are You Watching? Brought to you by the Chicago Clubhouse and the 1252 Sports Chicago Network. watching brought to you by the John Darren team out in Homer Glen guys. What are you watching? <laughs> you are like our favorite segment of the show at this point. Like right. I have fans like messaging me going, are you gonna talk about what you're watching this week? <laughs> yeah. right. I'll go. Uh obviously we know what, but I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let y'all talk about it. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna let a, I'm gonna let AB talk about it. Let me talk me, about it. Yeah, because I, I think we got him, JB. <laughs> I think you did. You got our hooks in him. You most definitely got me. Oh yeah, yeah. I told you. Uh, no, what I'm gonna say is, and I know we didn't talk about it, and probably for good reason. But what I'm watching now is the soap opera that's going on with the NFL right now with oh. uh, Brian Flores. Just hey man, that's what I'm actually been watching, like been really getting into because it's a lot of layers to. It's a lot of layers to this onion, and they just peeling the top couple layers away. And it's the days it, of it, our it lives. Ain't sounding too style. good. Oh yeah, it ain't sounding too good. And no. I had, and I, I just wanted to say, just to speak on that, and not to get on no soapbox, but <laughs> just uh, bigger than this, the bigger than the thing about minority hires and the Rooney Rule and how that's going. My thing was just about the tanking games and stuff. Like to me, that's the part that's kind. Of, that's like I say, not hiring. Black coaches are minority coaches. That's a, that's an issue, obviously, because I'm a black man. So I'm always gonna hold that. That's person. an issue to me too, right? Well, I'm, I'm just white. saying, like, like for me personally, like, yeah, no, yeah, like, yeah, as a black person. But the bigger another issue was just the fact that like tanking games and trying to pay a guy money just to tank games to get a draft pick. Like, like I think I said before on this another time, like players and coaches don't care about who the team going to draft two, three years, like if you get a draft pick. I don't care if you get a first-round pick next year. I'm not going to lose no games. Like, I don't want to be connected to nothing losing. Like, <laughs> especially as something that I work hard at. Like, that's the part that I found, like, was like, man, which I knew it all. It, it went on. It, like, it, it's like a un, it's kind of known, but nobody yeah. talk about it. But the flat Flores actually brought it to the public, like <laughs> – like the public, because you always gonna hear every year is gonna be something about about not hiring minorities and stuff. Like that's just something that that's an ongoing issue. But like really getting into it where how he was saying the culture was at the team is what really got me into it. Like dang, like so now you paying you giving hundred thousand dollars to tank games and and I'm saying so if you turned it down, Flores, what about all the people that probably didn't turn it down? <laughs> like yeah. they saying like a Zach Taylor or something like uh, a guy who got. Joe Burrow, like how you know they didn't, you know what I'm saying? So that's the part that's interesting to me. So that's what I've been watching, just to as the world turns to Barbara the NFL. So. <laughs> so I have to kind of piggyback on what you said there, work, because I completely agree with you on it. 
there's this thing about the Rooney rule that really bothers me. Right. Is that, yes, like, you know that there's going to be some people who have their guy. This is a league work. You say it all the time. Everyone has their little groups of people that they, you know, speak with on a week-to-week basis, whatever. Everyone has their guy. So unless the guy comes in and completely wows them, you're probably not going to get hired nine times out of ten. Everyone has a basic idea of who they want. But the thing that is sad to me, and this is nothing but sad, is that when you hire a black GM or a black coach, you get compensated for mm-hmm. it. You should not have to do that. Right. I'm not saying that, like, I'm not happy that the Bears are going to get, what, another third-round pick because of Ryan Poles. What I'm saying is that it shouldn't even be an issue to begin with. You shouldn't right. even have to throw incentive for somebody to hire anyone of color, right? especially at a head coaching or a GM position. It's sad to me. It just it, – it's – it's never made sense for me from the day one when I heard it. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, why Why are they having this add-on to it? Well, then I had to be explained that, well, they're still in 2022. I can't believe I'm saying it. In 2022, there are still people out there that have their guys. And look at an Adam Gase, who was absolutely god-awful in Miami, and then turned around and got a Jets job like that, right? Like, you cannot tell me that Brian Flores is not a better coach than Adam Gase. He proved it at the same place in Miami. And the fact that he comes out and doesn't get another chance. I mean, yes, I'm I'm hoping he does get the Houston job. That's the job that I have thought since day one he was going to get. That's the one that I thought. You know what? I kind of think he would get the Saints job, don't you? You do? That's what I would think. Okay. For some reason, I, I just hope they don't give him the uh, Colin Kaepernick treatment. <laughs> well, they, but see, but, Oliver but, Chapman but, said that in the chat, too. He, he said did. And the, thing, the, the thing about the, cha- uh, the Kaepernick thing was that was that was less about little dark secrets and more about the, the so-called patriotism. Yeah. Right. That's what that was for, 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 for people to kind of like dispel the flag that's beyond football. Right, right, but with Brian Flores, we're talking about specific football, like you said, Ward. Owners want to win; they follow a separate set of rules, you know. But with what's going on, and and, and this is how my mind thinks: with what's going on in Houston, right? You kind of can't put Flores in Houston. They just fired a black coach. Now you give them a black coach, See, still not knowing what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I don't think that should be what it's about, JB. Like, no, no, no. I think, but, it's, but it's about that because people are always going to look at that like the only reason they hired this black coach. That's what bothers me. About is because of, right, but that's what, I'm not saying it's right, but that's just the, that's just how it is. But the yeah. reason why I said I could look at him going to the Saints, yeah, is because although they're in cap hell as well. But that team is kind of already set up to compete. So there'd be very little rebuilding. And that's almost, I could see the, the NFL almost like calling the Saints like, hey, this is a gift. Let's get yeah. this heat off this guy. Yeah. Because if you send him to like Jacksonville, hell, he goes to another shitball team just then so he can be right fired where in two years. Yeah. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah. Like, you got to give him some, you got to give him a little taste. You got to give yeah. him a little taste. Okay. Like, I just, 
really compared them because I know that Flores has been in uh, Watson's ear for a long time, and I thought he that Watson. Remember, he he that was half the problem in Miami. He wanted two quarterbacks. He either wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson, but early Herbert. on he wanted Justin Herbert. He Herbert. said draft Justin Herbert. They and said he was he was right. No. Thousand percent he was right. But no. it's a sad thing. It is. It's it it's not something that should ever happen. Our our buddy John uh Centino asked if that pick actually goes to the team that they hired him from or the team that gets him. I'm pretty sure that it goes to the team that gets him, just like the Bears get them because they're basically rewarding them for hiring a minority, right. which is a joke in my opinion. It should never be that way. We get a it should be the third, same a third round compensatory pick for hiring and, a, a black GM. Yes. And if we would have hired a black head coach, we would have got another one. Would have got another one, right? But you shouldn't have to do that. Like that's that's half the it problem does. to me. Is it, it is that profiling like that just breeds that kind of crap. Like, in oh, my opinion, at least, you know, lot, like, like don't right. profile people like that. Just treat them all the same. I don't care if he's purple, man. Just put him out there. I don't like, either, but, it doesn't but allow, bother me. Like, but I, allow me I, to I, say this, guys, because as much as, Alan, you already know, you're my adopted brother. We, we yeah. here. I don't understand the way like you we, guys feel about it, and I'm never going to pretend like I can, period. You know, it's like we've been brothers, work. You know, I love my family right here. But the dynamic is just different, and in, in my opinion, yeah, the sheer fact that you have to create a rule to try to make it look on the surface like there's equality—that in itself a is joke. the innate problem. Yes, right. because now I'm not judging you on your merit for what you're doing on the field. I'm judging you because guess what? The boss, the big boss, say I got to interview you, otherwise I'm in trouble. It's almost insulting. I'm just it saying, so in my opinion, it is. Like, it is insulting. If I was Brian Flores and I went to Denver, and I'm not saying that everything that happened was was true. I'm not saying that. But if I went to Denver and they looked, what's the word they used? If they looked uh, disheveled, disheveled, unenthused, hungover, he said, inebriated, hungover. Like I would obviously probably think that oh they're just having me in here to check a box right and then John Elway comes out and and he says no it was because we were somewhere else the night before with another interview we had a we had a long flight back yada 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 you know we were tired and we were with him for three and a half hours we have all the info yada 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 Okay, so, but that doesn't mean you weren't drunk. Yeah, we talked for two hours. We don't we know drunk. what that means exactly yeah <laughs> like, like what are we talking about we don't John know what Elway that means stop I'm about well, to lose a lot of respect for John Elway lately. He needs to stop. I get it. I get it. But until the real comes out on each end, until we have the evidence, all we have is speculation on both sides. And you have people on both sides of the fence on this. And that's why it's such an interesting topic for everybody. But to me, it shouldn't I be think Hugh Jackson tilts the scale. I think Hugh Jackson's He's going to definitely help. 110%. Yeah. I think Hugh Jackson definitely tilts the scale because – I don't know about you all, but yeah. I remember Joe Hugh Ryan Jackson. Had, Joe Ryan had a good point there, JB, too. He said that yeah. it's like the, I'm, not, I'm here, so, so I'm just my right, thing. Absolutely, like Joe. Like a Marshawn absolutely. Lynch. Oh. Absolutely. And, and, and again, that's why I'm saying, like, and, and I mean, Ward, please def I'm defer. I don't know Hugh Jackson, but when he interviews, he never says much. But on no. the field, he's, 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 he loses. <laughs> Whether it's the Raiders, way so how many times do they like get this guy in here to give him a little taste to be the coach just to say, well, 
if we lose, I can pin it on him. But on the backside, take this $750,000 for your truck. Yeah, I'm sure that happens. You got, a lot of, you got a lot of coaches. Hell, to me, Raheem Morris was a good coach. Vance Joseph was a solid coach. You got a lot of guys that just didn't get that second pick. And I'm not even talking about old cats. I'm talking about more recent cats. Right. Well, that's the that's the that's the thing that's and that's another thing that's sad about the NFL is that a lot of time minority coaches don't get second chances. They get one chance, and they usually got to fight on a team that's at the bottom or against the eight. You know, they already fighting uphill, and they want to. You got to get to the top of Mount Everest, but they start you at the bottom with no jacket or nothing. So, so that's the part that's sad. And just like like we said, like I think the other part was when what was sad too was when, like he said, Bill Belichick sent him a congratulate, oh. congratulating him on getting a job. But he but got is it, is it, but wait, is it he hadn't even went to the interview yet. So you said that's like you sitting at the interview already know like you already hired this other dude. Like, but isn't isn't like I said to me. Those text messages, even if you don't believe the other stuff, those text messages that's, that's, that's are damaged. very telling because you yeah. already know Bill Belichick meant to call Brian Dable and say congratulations on the job before Flores ever interviewed. Right. It's like now I know I'm going into New York to check a box. You damn right I'm a sue because now I'm you're not not only is my guy the guy I won Super Bowls with, the guy that I learned my I, I'm part of his coaching tree. And I just say, I'm sorry. I, no, please. No. I know no. we're supposed to be talking about what we watch. You're fine. And I'm sorry. You're fine. You're fine. I just say I, that everyone wanted to talk about it. Yeah, anyway. I just say number one, especially. it is a it is a probably like each organization, each franchise is owned by a billionaire basically, mm -hmm. and they have a right to hire whoever they want. So I'm not saying that they should, could, should hire whoever. Like you have to hire this many black people. No, I don't. I don't I like that rule. I don't like the Rooney rule. I know why they made it, kind of like in the same lines of like affirmative action. And I ain't trying to get on the soapbox, but I don't like yeah. the rule neither because guys, like I don't care what color you are, you still want to be judged on your work and what you produce and your should always yes. be judged on your merits. That's, that's, how, that's we men like this. We work on pride and what we do. Reward me for my work, appreciate my work, and then you yes. you won't have no problems out of me. So, and I think that's what all anybody white, black, Asian, Hispanic. Whoever, I think that's when they come to the table. That's all they want to be judged on is what they what they do. Like, what do I produce? And do you think I could fit? It don't matter what color I am or what my race oh. is. And that's the part where that's not going to change until that's got to be changed from the in the owner's circle. Because you, so, you can't so, ask the ant, you can't ask the ant to make the boot change. Yeah. <laughs> so now yeah. that poses you know? a bigger issue because people want Roger Goodell, who works for the owners. Like he can't fix this, and it's not Roger Goodell's problem to fix. Roger not, I, I agree, it's not his problem to fix. He's a pawn, like Roger Goodell's a pawn. Like anytime something wrong with the NFL, we always say Roger Goodell, we boo him. But really, he ain't nothing but a face of the the owners. Those thirty two owners, they collectively they input it into Roger Goodell, and he spit it out. He's just a computer. He's just a talking piece for him, basically. So, like I said, until you could get into that inner circle and change, like change. They're thinking, which you're not, because let's be for real. We're talking about 32 billionaires. <laughs> I'm not talking about somebody that make $100,000 yeah. or he hit the lotto or something. We're talking about guys that have billions of dollars. like, <laughs> And they didn't get there by being agreeable. Like, no. just let's be honest. So that's why I say, like, it's it's a hard battle, especially when you're taking something that, what, 78, 80% is African-American players. 
Yeah. The numbers around there somewhere. So Pretty high, I'm yeah. saying like we're not I seventy. I think you're right. We're not good enough to lead our own. People. Yeah, and that's the part that make me sad. That's the part that make me sad. Like you said in twenty twenty two, that we yeah. still fighting some stuff that's like everybody at this point. Like man, if you could play ball, if you could play ball, or you could coach, or you could inspire men, <laughs> just let me do it. Like, what does it matter? I'm gonna follow anybody. Like <laughs> that's why I say most people follow people, but. It's just the way the world is wired and humans are wired. So oh, I'm sorry. Man, I didn't need help. I didn't need to get off on that. Oh, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> on a side note, speaking about the Giants, the Giants got Brian Dable and they just hired Mike Kafka. Two of the guys I wanted the Bears to get. So the Giants are slowly becoming the team, I, <laughs> the coaching staff that I wanted the Bears to have. So if the Giants have success, I'm going to be pretty upset. If they don't, I'm going to be pretty wrong. <laughs> And still be upset. So either way, I'm not winning. We took a guy from the Giants and made him our passing game coordinator. The Giants have been terrible in passing for the last. Yeah, they have. We actually got their wide receiver coach, who's now the passing game coordinator. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not thrilled about that either. But that's another story. Well, he has developed a few guys that I could say are (laughs) decent guys. He was there when Odell Beckham was there. He helped him. He did not develop Odell Beckham. He didn't develop. He helped him. (laughs) I wouldn't say he made Odell Beckham. I said that he helped him. You know, they had some good players. It's just their quarterback that stinks on that team. It's just Daniel Jones isn't really oh, that good guy too. to me. The offensive line stink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big That's time. That's what so, Daniel, Daniel Jones stink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, JB, now that we're back on track. <laughs> what oh, are you oh, Mo, Mo, hold on now. Wait a minute now, oh, Mo. Mo Beerman says, well, the NFL has created more black millionaires than any organization in human history, so there's that. It's not, it's not what we're talking about that, here, buddy. That's only because there's, what, 53 people on a roster and, what, 38 of those 53 might be black? <laughs> we're on a basketball court, there's only 15 or 17. And of those 15 or 17 on the team, 12 maybe black? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like the if there's any league. always be in the favor of the NFL because of just sheer yeah. more players. Like, let's not do that, Mo. Let's yeah, not do that. Exactly, exactly. But anyway. A millionaire doesn't mean that the equality is, is, is there. No. Not, that's not what we're talking about. We're speaking about head coaching as well. Right. Not in, you know, African-American GMs, not just players. Obviously, you know, I hate saying it, but nine times out of ten, African-American players are physically superior. You know, they can run faster. They can jump higher. They can do all these things better. If you put me and JB and Warwick in a room, I'm going to be the last guy picked on that team, period. I'm smaller than they are. I'm not as strong as they are. All I can do is talk better. I just I, <laughs> like, I, like I understand that, AB, and I, I hate I hate using that because I always say like it's kind God, of a stupid stereotype. God give everybody it gifts. Is, but God yeah. give everybody yeah. I feel like God give everybody their gift and it's our job on this earth and our life to find that what our ability is and nurture yeah. it the seed. You know? Agreed. So Agreed. And I, I just say like because if I like I always thought I came up thinking that way. But I also played on a team where I, I had to play with Erlacher. Speaking of a guy where I was like, oh, white, a white safety that finna be a linebacker, uh, he ain't gonna be able to do nothing. Then I saw him like, yeah, come on, lack. Like, <laughs> there's obviously outliers there, right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is like percentage wise, that's yeah, yeah. why I mean, they're just more physically superior. Yeah. Like, I always, I always just I always look at it. It's just like that's what. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I say. I just always look at it like that's just what like as black people like we play sports and stuff. Not saying like other races don't play it, but oh. we like that's what we drawn to. Like that's what <laughs> that's what actually bring us together a lot of times. Unfortunately, like, some cultures like, ex- like like that's your only ticket. And that's not fair either. That's a rabbit hole that we're starting right. to creep in, man. Yeah, we're not gonna go there. But I'll I'll end this. We're gonna be we're gonna make sense doing it, guys. But yeah, and I'm sure everybody. No, no, it's fine because it needed to be it needed to be spoken about. Ward, you're fine. But I'll end it with this. You're right, Mo. It's not within the next within the next coming. I'll say year one. I hear the Denver Broncos are for sale. Yes. There's a gentleman, uh, his name is Robert Smith, who is a black billionaire from the Denver area, who I have been told is interested in purchasing the Denver Broncos. I heard that same rumor today, actually. Now, let's go back to what's going on with uh, Mr. Stephen Ross in Miami. If he's on, I can't think of his name right now, but if he's if he's done what has what the allegations have alleged, then you put him with the guy that uh, oh, they yeah. made the Clippers sell. Sterling. Sterling. Donald Sterling. Donald you make Sterling. him sell. Then you get you the next, the clear next sale, invite a black ownership group or a, a majority black owner to finally own a team. Because then we can start dispelling the myth, at least in good faith. Yeah. At least in good faith. If that's not done, then we know it's some, it's some smoke to that fire. Yeah, and that's the thing about the NFL is that not any billionaire can just jump in and buy that team. Like they have to be selected by their yes, committee and peers yes. of other owners, and that's where this whole rabbit hole goes down. And right. it's a it's an ugly thing, man. It it is. Like, remember, that's why they didn't let Mark Cuban in. He's too yeah. aggressive. Yeah, which is sad because Mark Cuban, what Mark Cuban did with the Dallas Mavericks was nothing short but a miracle. Like, I remember how they were before they had him and after they got him, night and day. They've been successful since him. And why not get, like, that was one of the names that, as Bears fans, I kept seeing Bears fans throw that name around, you know? Him and Jeff Bezos is the other one I kept hearing. But, but, it's, Jeff it's, Bezos so, but if you look in hockey, there's no, the four, I'll just do the four major. In hockey, there's yeah. none. In baseball, to my knowledge, there's not one complete. Michael Jordan could put together an ownership syndicate. That's a good point. He could, but let me get to that. Because right now, in baseball, I believe LeBron James has some stake in one team. He has stake in um, a hockey. It's um, one of the hockey teams. I can't remember. I want to say the Penguins, but I might be wrong. I thought he has some stake in a baseball team as well. He might, but... I know that oh, he's got oh, a hockey magic, team. And Magic right has some stake in like the Dodgers or something. Yeah, yeah. Magic yeah. has a stake. But, but see, that's the thing. Like when people were like, oh, Jay-Z owns the Brooklyn Nets. No, he doesn't. He's got no. a, like a, this much. He's got percent. like a small, like one or two, three percent. Like it's right. not even anything. So when we're talking about owner, we're talking about that guy that's got 51%. Stupid the majority money. owner. Yeah. Isn't Michael Jordan the only black owner in any sports? Right. Yes, it was him. Majority. Followed, owner. It was it was Bob Johnson first, the owner right. of BET. Yeah. Right. And then Michael took it over. Yeah. Yeah. In football, the only technically minority owner is Shad Khan. Right. Yes. Yes. For the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, there yes. is no black owner. Right. 
in any major sport except Michael Jordan. Well, hold your breath, guys, because that could change very soon. But right. we'll All move right. on. Back to we'll get we're back watching. to where we were so Back to, to what we're watching. <laughs> JP, <laughs> what are you watching? So, as always, I'm watching number 20 uh, <laughs> on the Dust Devils, huh. uh, yeah. Texas A&M. You gotta stop having games the same night as we do podcasts. But he 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 won't he think I'm Lonzo Ball's daddy. He won't answer the phone. I'm like, I was thinking the same thing about the Bulls tonight. (laughs) Like the Bulls were on Tuesday. We were podcasting Tuesday. Bulls are playing tonight. They're on tonight. I'm like, can you guys just play Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for me? Saturdays between three and six. I can't do nothing. Yeah. But you know, Red Sox, thank you, Joe. I knew it was a baseball team. Yeah. Right. Because I was wondering right, because I was wondering. Why he didn't try to get the uh, Cleveland Indians when I believe, like, a couple years back, uh, somebody was dangling the Indians for sale. That's what it was. Thank you. Um, But other than that, um, what I'm watching, uh, I can't say what else I'm watching, (laughs) but I'll say what else I'm looking forward to. I didn't see see, uh, Scream yet. Oh, okay. I'm I'm, I'm probably going to try to, you know, jump into that this weekend. But other than that, like, I'm, I'm with Warren. Like, I've been watching literally anytime any beat writer, <laughs> ESPN, anybody, like, drops any Bears nugget from our show to anybody else's show, yeah. I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling. I'm checking my sources. I'm doing my evaluations. I'm doing my research. Like, I'm a, I'm an athletic nerd. That's what I am. Is the yeah, Senior Bowl this weekend, too? Say again? The Pro Bowl is this weekend. Oh, the Pro Bowl. What about the Senior Bowl? In the, senior senior bowl, bowl. the Senior Bowl is Saturday. Yeah, so is it Saturday? Be, yeah, I'll be watching that too. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know that. So, well, I mean, I'm I'm hoping Paul sends a couple of guys down there. You of course, know, he is. Yeah, yeah. We well, can find some of those guys in the third and fourth round. He know. already oh, sent two. Um, he sent two to the uh, HBCU. Uh, I scouting. saw that. I, I did see that they had yeah. a scouting combine, which he sent a couple of uh, scouts to. I saw yeah. that. Which is um, great because just right. right off the bat, get out there and get to work, guys. Right. Exactly but you know, a lot of times they say the senior bowl, that's where you get your like your foundation from because those are guys that, you know, not that they can't play. Yeah. But this is just like their last showcase. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely interested in uh watching that. Um I was watching a little clip of Russell Wilson at the uh senior bowl. I mean at the Pro Bowl. You know, just so little tidbits and stuff like that is what I'm watching aside from what I'm really watching. It. <laughs> I'll kick it over to AV. Huh. Oh my god! I didn't. Did we get the drum roll. I didn't uh. get the video, but my god, Bubba Fett is amazing. Oh my god, the book of Bubba Fett is so good. I told you, I got loud, good. guys. I got excited. And if you guys watched last night's new episode, right. all I gotta say is crossover. It's the only word I'm gonna say. Crossover. Masterpiece. I told you. I'm not going to spoiler alert it because I know it just came out, guys. But if you're not watching the book of Bubba Fett, you are missing out on some great, great action-packed TV. Do it today. Go out, however you stream it. Go watch the book of Bubba Fett. It's got action. It's got suspense. The guy kills it. He. Oh, I don't even know what like. I don't know what I can say without ruining it for everybody, but I'm you don't so have, glad you, you, you don't. You, you know what? I'm going to start doing something on this show where I have a spoiler alert thing, like like I'm going to play like a spoiler alert <laughs> like video, 
and then you just leave. <laughs> so then I, I can just spew out all the amazing things that happened. So but did you you binge watched all the episodes? I, so I I watched what it was. Um, uh, I want I want to say Tuesday night after the podcast, I I watched the first three. Okay. And then last night I watched the <laughs> next two. Right. I stayed up till like two thirty in the morning to watch that that uh, fifth one because a friend of mine says you have got to go watch the fifth one. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it was like one thirty in the morning, and I'm like, screw it. I'm watching it, and I'm not mad. I'm gonna go back and watch it again. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, yeah. See? It's 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 got a lot of cool stuff. I I don't know how much of a fan I was with the back and forth thing. You know, like like right. how they like start him out up here, and then they go back to how he got there from the bottom, right. and then back, right. and forth, back and forth. I'm not a big fan of that. I kind of wish they would have just started the story out where. Spoiler alert, he was inside the belly of the beast. Right, right. We'll just say that. And well, that's um, not really a spoiler because if you I mean no, no, but if anybody read the comics, they knew he got out from reading. If anybody the watched the original movies, like you know that he got eaten. Yeah, so into it, you yeah. know that if he gets eaten, he's gotta get out, right? So <laughs> they explain all that. He goes back in there. There's a whole story about that. I didn't like that whole up and down thing. I like storylines that are just flat storylines and just kind of tell you the story throughout. Because if you don't know the origins and if you don't understand it like us nerds do, <laughs> then you're not going to really follow it that well. So, like, well, I think that's why they did Splinter. The casual off fan, like, kind of to catch the casual fan. That. I think that's yeah. why they did Splinter. Okay. Splinter it off. Okay, it was okay. good. Though. I like it. And no, I do not watch Clone Wars. I never have watched Clone Wars. Chris, watched you've been Wars. telling me to watch Clone I, 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 Wars. I, 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 it, just, it just got too long, to be honest with you. That's that. kind of I like... Watched I watched all the Clone Wars. It seemed like it was kind of it? dragged. Yeah, you know? I, watched, I mean, I just watched them when they used to come on. Like, I like Star Wars oh, okay. and stuff. Because yeah. I, I finished it I, when, I was like, tackling and hurting people. I was. I did, like, kind of married, too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Look, I was on the squad, and I hung with the kids that played video games. I didn't hang with the cool right. kids. I was video games and comic books. No, Same. I watched Clone Wars. Clone Wars is good, too. Clone Wars kind of, too. I got to catch, because I watched it. I saw the ending, you know, when Ahsoka and Vader fought, whatever. Right. But they had something called the Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I haven't, this from I haven't watched Wars, that either. I haven't. Like, I've watched, like, one episode, and I just couldn't couldn't find couldn't the time to really get in. No, I just couldn't find the time to dedicate that I wanted because of other things going on. Yeah, I noticed something about that too, and I never gave it. It's uh, Kenobi's getting ready to come out. Like, oh, yeah, that's gonna be good too. (laughs) Yes, it is. That's gonna be good too. Very, 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 very good. But, but yeah, that obviously. Oh my god. Yeah, obviously, that's obviously what I'm watching, and the degenerate as I am. Brand new South Park was on last night. 25th <laughs> season was on last night. I watched it twice. It was so good. All I got to say is that instead of them fighting about mass, they fight about pajama day. It's hilarious. I'm telling you, I'm go watch, watch South Park. Go watch the South Park. Hey, so You'll South Park under- got to be uh, up there with the Simpsons now, it's- right? With the longest like rolling episodic season. Since it's like on what 28, 27? Oh, bro, no, they're like 32. I 32? think. Okay. Actually, hold on. Fact check. Oh, no, they're the longest episodic television show ever. <laughs> and look, I remember watching them on the Tracy Ullman show when they had totally right, different right, voices. Right, right, right. Remember that late late night Tracy Ullman? 
We're telling we tell our age right now. <laughs> yes, there are. Yeah, hey, better television back then, though. Yeah. It so was, it was original, original writing mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they just spin off everything. Remember, she was one of the writers, Tracy Ullman. So they have 32 seasons of The Simpsons. Oh, God. As of right now, it ended May 23rd of 2021, and it was an yeah, yep. So it finally ended. No, it's still going. <laughs> They're going on their 33rd season. Uh, 33rd. Yeah. Wow. So that's. I'm more of a family. That's the one guy. they got to catch. Hey, oh, yeah, hey, what? I'm more of a Family Guy, the Cleveland Show type of guy. Hey, <laughs> I love, love that one too, though. Love Peter Griffin. Yeah. Louis, yeah. I have a. I'm telling too much. I have <laughs> I have a stuffed Stewie. <laughs> oh man, you go all out. Okay, okay. You go all out, JB. Nah, I don't dude. even go that hard, man. Nah, I thought Stewie's I was bad. He's Stewie's my Brian Urlacher. Uh, Stewie. Gotcha. We're gonna see you next week. Have a little Stewie doll just sitting next to you, <laughs> looking all creepy at the camera. That's why. I never have Brian look at the camera. I always have him kind of look away because <laughs> I think it would be kind of weird if I had him there. Uh, I actually have a fun story for everybody, and JB knows the story I'm probably about to tell. Um, whenever I first got with the uh, uh, CCP, one of the first nights, me, him, and uh, Terrence were just hanging out in StreamYard. It was late. It was I'm, God, it was like 1 in the morning, I think. Me and JB are just sitting there. As we always do, we just chop it up and talk sports. And we just had a lengthy, long conversation. It covered a lot of things. But close to the end of it, it was in the dark. And he asked me, he's like, do you have a little kid standing next to you? (laughs) He freaked out because he thought there was some little kid that just was sitting there the whole time and just staring at him. He didn't ask me until like two hours into the conversation. And I'm like thinking like, this guy's legit thought that I had a little kid standing next to me, not speaking and not moving for two hours in the dark. How creepy am I? Like, how creepy do I look, you know? <laughs> yeah, way too much alcohol. You're right, JB. 110%. 110%. So, um, one other quick question here for you guys as we go. We've got the Pro Bowl coming up this week. So, I don't really think it matters that much, but. Who you <laughs> Which team do you have? Faking a win in this one, guys. Do you have the NFC or the AFC winning this game? Or does it really matter? I'm going AFC. Yeah? JB? Vegas. Quarterback's better. (laughs) Yeah, Vegas. All they're doing is partying, right? (laughs) Vegas wins, hands down. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too. Vegas always wins. It doesn't really. It doesn't matter. I dang it, I should have pulled that one today. I didn't. But no, yeah, that, that's kind of the way that I viewed it too. I saw the Chicago Bears hanging out there too. They had a, um some photos out of uh Robert Quinn out there on the field. It's, it's Robert and Jakeem, right? Robert and Grant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just out there hanging out, having fun, living the good life while. We sit here and freeze to death in <laughs> Illinois, and Warwick's really cold over there with what thirty-five degrees in in, in uh, Texas. Yeah, right the now. city the city is shut down schools and stuff because it's it's under it's, it's freezing. <laughs> they were debating having kids go to school today, and it was it's like be sleet. It's sleet on six, the ground. Sixteen. It might be a little sleety, so it's gonna be slushy in the morning. So they canceling everything oh in Texas. <laughs> wow! Thank you, Maz. 
we appreciate you, Ma, for that, obviously. Um, so, yeah, do you guys got any other closing thoughts before we go? Anything you want to bring up? We kind of covered everything. Another another podcast where we kind of hit every corner. <laughs> we be bouncing around. Red pill all day long. But we tend to do that better than most, so I'll take I it. I think so. <laughs> Is the Super Bowl predictions we're going to do that next week? That's next week. All right. Don't worry. Oh, and – Orange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that's why he brought it up. So, Warwick, yeah. I got to give you your flowers. You went one and one this week. Thank you. Well done. Right. So now, since we started doing this last week, you are one and five. <laughs> JB and I are are uh, four and two right now. I wish we would have done the first round. I, I didn't even Wait, honestly think but about I've it. Been- the show is on with Ivan, right? Yeah, Ivan. yeah, yeah. He went 0-2, though, right? I if think Ivan did go 0-2. Too. He did. He picked, he did. He picked the Niners and the, and the Chiefs. He did. Yeah, yeah. And he was making fun of me, remember? He was. He, he was. He said it was going to be a Ivan Vargas, if you're in the chat, you need to own up to it, buddy. <laughs> Ivan Vargas. <laughs> Ivan, buddy gotta from... take, Ivan has to take a shot on screen. <laughs> That's a bet. He's probably in bed now, though. I mean, he's he got babies a, at home. He had a nice little joke on me about me yeah, going. He did. Yeah, and then he, I, did. he was like, he's going with the Niners, which that was a, they were all good games too. So absolutely, I haven't seen you, Bill. What's going yeah, on? Bill. Bill a little bit. I seen him coming a little bit. Oh, he did. Okay, I haven't seen Bill. I, I personally haven't seen Bill. Yeah, Bill had had a couple, but Bill, we miss you, buddy, as always, man. But but no, yeah, we'll definitely have to talk to Ivan about that. Ivan, for the guys that don't know, Ivan Vargas, we were on his show, Just Another Bears show, I believe it's called, last Friday. So you guys can go check that out on the Sports Zone. Um, great network. They've got really good shows over there, man. A bunch of really good guys. You can't say nothing bad about him. I did actually speak with uh, Sean Sierra today. He was out this morning for breakfast, and – he didn't have gravy on them hash browns. So I was like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Got to have gravy on those hash browns. My favorite thing for breakfast literally is we have a place in town. It's like a little diner. And they have what we call a haystack. And it's biscuits and gravy mixed with hash browns. Oh, okay. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I could, and you can get a half or which is like, I think it's just. I think it's two biscuits and a full is four. I get a full and I am feeling good when I'm done, man. I'm feeling good. Like I should. I love it, man. Absolutely love it. But are we good? We done? We are great. You guys ready to get out of here? All right, then. I guess it's time to go, guys. So all we can do is thank you guys for joining us tonight. And we got to have our shout out. So first and foremost, Thank you, everybody, in the um, the comment section. I'm losing my throat right now <laughs> for joining in. You guys, we couldn't do it without you. To our sponsors, Nick and Ivory Brewery and the John Darren team out in Homer Glen. Thank you, guys. Again, we could not do this without you. We love doing this show. Please, please keep up the comments, the calls. We absolutely love it. So we got a good lineup for you this week. It's great. We got tomorrow, we've got the over-under with our guy Harry Burke from 1252 breaking down all the good bets of the week he has a great show guys you're gonna laugh your ass off if you watch those guys they have nothing but fun go check them out Sunday morning at 9 a.m we've got the hard 
the Hard Count Football Podcast with my buddy Jacob Charno. He's going to break down everything in the NFL going on, guys. He's also got Harry Berg on with him. And our newest member of the 1252 team, Mike Hughes, jumps in there. It's a pretty good show. It's fun. And that reminds me, I almost forgot about our guy Mike Hughes. On Saturday night, we have Mike on the mic at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on 1252 as well. He's breaking down everything from the Chicago sky, the Chicago Bulls. This kid's all over the place, and I love his takes. He's got great takes. If you guys watched the the, uh, earlier press conference show we had this week, that's the kid that I had on with me. He does a great job. He breaks things down amazing. Go check him out. Sunday night at 8.30 Central Standard, we've got the Schuster Express with longtime Chicago guy, Mr. David Schuster, coming back, breaking down everything from the weekend, the week, NFL, NBA, you name it. He's got it, and he always has great Chicago media guests. And then on Monday, we've got our very own Fred Hubner with Hubes, Views, and Brews, breaking down everything again in the Chicago sports area. He's going to also have on someone from a brewery from the local area. Guys, it's a great show. Check it out. Also on Monday, we've got the CJ Scott podcast with CJ Scott and my buddy Diab. Those boys breaking down the bulls and bears like no other. Go check them out. And on Tuesday night, JB, who we got on the Chicago Clubhouse podcast? This week for sure, Mr. Tim Jennings. Mr. Tim Jennings, former Chicago Bear. Make sure you get in and check it out. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time chopping it up with him. He's hilarious, I promise you, and he tells it like it is, and I've got a little teaser for you. He's going to tell us something about the Mark Trustman era that's going to surprise you. I Woo! promise you that. You're going to blow your mind when you hear what it is. <laughs> so other than that, we've also got, um, on Wednesday, we've got She Said What She Said with the ladies from CCP Network. I'm not sure who they're talking to this week, but they're they're always breaking down stuff from the female aspect of sports, so check them out. And my buddy Fat Mike closes it in, like always. So for me, my buddy JB and Warwick, you guys have a good week. Bear down. See you next week. Stay warm.